Hello everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of uh, one of, hopefully, your favorite podcasts about video games by a bunch of international friends from all over the world. Uh, it's Gaming Fix, episode 113. Uh, we're uh, we're a little light this week. Just joining me is uh, Alex Jelenay. I'm trying to say it right, okay? <laughs> you nailed it. Andre gave up. Yep, you got it. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. We're on. We're in the same time zone, and it's early morning in our time zone. We're the only two people in the same time zone. Yes, like, and we didn't used to be because I used to live one time zone over. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm Pat, in case you hadn't figured that out yet. Hi, Pat. I don't have any pithy uh, um, intro notes, because uh, it's too early for that. We, we can't all be Andre. No, his, that's true. I don't want to steal his thing either. No. Your dog's favorite food provider? I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> that's also fair. Uh, I think uh, our dog's favorite food provider was whichever one of us is currently in the process of giving her food. <laughs> That's true. Dog does not have a favorite. Video yeah, games. So it's been, it's a weird week. It's, <laughs> it's the, been it's been a weird twenty twenty. Yeah, I, I was thinking about it earlier um, when I was first getting up and around this morning, and it's like this is probably on par with the week that I moved to Seattle as being one of the weirdest weeks uh, that I have experienced just because like I'm now working from home all the time as is my partner um, which is going well we're both in pretty good moods about it but it is just been has been very strange to just get up and take a shower and take the dog outside and then start working and then just kind of be done around four and doing yep. something else uh yeah uh, it, yeah. yeah the remote life is weird i lived it for five years before taking my current job and uh, i've always worked remote in in pieces before like every job i've yeah. had i've done some bit of it remote here and there but this is the first time i've ever like a week solid just done it the whole time and it's it's a very strange experience it's one that i like i, th- I think that like we should all do this more frankly um or have the option to do it more, I should say. Um, but I do wish that it was not brought about by such a, a difficult set of circumstances because it would be nice to be able to like go out to a cafe and work from a coffee shop or uh, something like that, or go to a go to a like restaurant or something, uh, like go downtown and and work from like a park there. Uh, but not so much in the current climate. Yeah, but yeah, for me, it's also been weird being remote again, uh, again sure. after having done it for five years, and then specifically moving to my new company to be around people again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> being like, I'm done with remote. Let's just be. Let's not do remote for a while because it's nice to be see humans. Totally. <laughs> now it's now it's back to 100 percent remote. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. No, and I, I wouldn't want to do it 100 percent of the time either. So, uh, well, I definitely get that. That might be. It might be a thing that we have to do. Might for a be the norm while. for a while. Yeah. Uh, 
We're my my work is having we're planning on doing a virtual happy hour next week. What? Which is interesting. Um, not that you're required to drink or anything, but uh, how does like, like are you going to play like um, oh what was that site uh, miniclip.com go play their pool game? I don't know. I don't know what we're going to actually do. I I know we're going to uh, hang out on webcams for a while. <laughs> uh, my uh-huh. friend said that his company did it yesterday because they usually do. It's a company actually I, I worked for in Michigan before I mm-hmm. moved. And we slash they now always used to have uh, the Friday meeting and then everyone would go to a local brewery afterwards and hang out the same one usually for a cup, two or three hours, um, which was one of my favorite things about working there. Uh, and so I guess last night they had a virtual like they did. They played this trivia through this website that did like does like. Jackbox trivia, hmm. um, or maybe they were just playing Jackbox. I'm not sure. He said they played Jackbox trivia, and I don't know if that meant like actually, like you not. don't know but, Jack or something. Yeah, um, but I, I should I, I should probably set that up because I have uh, some of that stuff on PC. I could get it get it going for my uh, my teammates at work. That would be fun. I'm sure they would all get a kick out of it because I don't think any of them have played before. That'd be good. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, would you, what would you say are your top Jackbox games? Like just off the cuff. Oh man, um, I'm a huge TKO fan. Um, yep. I like uh, I like Quiplash as a classic. Yep. I think they have since outdone them, outdone that game. Um, and I like um, Fibbage. Fibbage is good. I like the one. Which which is the one where you um, you do the? There's one person who is a liar, and everybody else is not, and you get like cues to do like a physical motion. Oh yeah. I don't remember what that's called. That one's good though. It's only, it doesn't work when you're playing remotely with people. You have to be in the same room, but that one is extremely funny because you just get these, like, it'll be like, uh, the, the, like how the question of like, how many times do you brush your teeth per day? And someone will get like, how many Celine Dion songs do you know? (laughs) And so, (laughs) You get some very funny answers and then they have yeah. to justify that as the, the question. That, uh, yeah. yeah. I like those ones. Like it's similar to uh, what's that board? Well, not board game, but uh failed artist goes to New York or whatever. I don't know if I, if I know what that is. I where heard it's basically, it for sure. It's basically where if you have six people, we'll say five people know what or like, yeah, five people know what they're drawing and one person doesn't. And they all have to take turns like drawing one at a time. Uh, drawing oh, yeah, as much yeah. as they can without lifting the pen from the page. Yep, yep. Fake or, artist goes to New York. Yeah, I see. It yeah, now. yeah. That one's that one's real good in a similar way. But uh, yeah. for Jackbox, I also like the trivia murder party. Those ones are just you know they're interesting. I, the questions aren't bad. It, you need just the right number of people for that one. Sure. I feel like if you have you need like four people exactly to play that one because I tried playing mm-hmm. that with with three people once and it was not good. Uh, but it, I think, and weirdly, I think I like the first trivia murder party more than the second one, mm. uh, which is weird. But um, anyways, yeah, yeah, which <laughs> that seems like a great game to to be playing with uh, with folks right now. Yeah, yeah. I also think I want. I wish I could figure out. Everyone would probably need their own copy. Um, otherwise, you have to mail people. No, yeah, it wouldn't work. I I, w- I really really like Secret Hitler a lot. Oh yeah. Um, and would love to see a way to play that digitally. I don't you know can that play it on tabletop simulator. I've done that before. Yeah, you could definitely do it there. I don't know if it's on. Uh, it might be on Tabletopia too. Might be. 
Yeah, um, it works really, really well in um, in uh, TTS. In yeah, because cool. because you do have like the little hidden areas where people can't see your cards and stuff, so that works really well. Yeah, and uh, it is and, on Tabletopia too, which would yeah, be and perfect. We we had set it up at the time the people I was playing it with, uh, we were using Mumble, and we set up a very specific Mumble hierarchy to where. If someone got shot, like we could have a spectator room which could hear the actual gameplay room. That's and great. Like, and then as soon as you were shot, you were moved into that room. So you could speak freely with whoever was spectating and still listen in on the game. That's <laughs> but hilarious. You, but, that, but you could not say anything. That's a great way to do it. Yeah, it was very fun. Uh, I would recommend that kind of setup. If you can, I don't think you can in Discord, but no. Uh, but that's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was great. That, that would be another one to get uh I think Tabletopia is going to get a workout over the next several months for me because I have a lot of people that want to play board games that we obviously are not meeting physically. So, yep. uh, yeah, um, I like Tabletopia a lot, too, because um, t- Tabletop simula- Simulator is always frustrating to me because it it has like such a range of things since it's since it's all like mods. Basically, there's such a range of things that you can do that it's like, oh, I dropped a card on the floor and now I don't know how to get it. And I got to either reset the whole game or WASD under the table to try to pick the card up. And that kind of stuff is always very frustrating to me. Whereas um, Tabletopia, the it's, it's a similar environment, but mm-hmm. the um, games are like designed specifically by um, the, the like, I think it's like the, the Tabletopia team. Um, so it's, there's less like you can't flip the table. You can't, um, they only include the options you need for the game that you're playing. So there's not a bunch of extra stuff. Uh, and then they have a cool, uh, model where you can still like, if you, if you have a gold subscription, you can still start a game and invite people to it without them having to own it or have a subscription themselves. So yeah, I hadn't thought about tabletopia as a game to talk about, but there you go. There's your, there's your, um, quarantining recommendation to play some board games with your friends. Yes. And if you do it on a tabletop simulator, make sure to only um, download the mods for games you own. Oh yeah. Otherwise you're pirating. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing stopping you also, but anyways, (laughs) support your creators. Anyway, um, what have you What have you been playing, Pat? I feel like I haven't talked to you about video games that you've been playing during the week. So, yeah, I've played a lot of stuff, kind of here and there this week. Like I picked up the show this week because um, hmm. I'm sad that there's no real baseball, but there's not a lot to talk about there because it's just another year of the show. It's very good this year, but mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 a it's a baseball game. Um, they made the fielding a little bit more interesting. Um, so yeah. Um, and I've been playing uh, League and Smite with my partner and my friend, some friends that I used to play League with a lot. That's Sick. been nice as a way to kind of get some social interaction. Um, still playing Call of Duty pretty regularly. Uh, or just regular old multiplayer. You know, I actually kind of, well, I finished the campaign finally, which yep. I enjoyed quite a bit. Same um, and then I have been mostly playing just regular multiplayer, not because I'm like not interested in playing more Warzone. I think it's a great mode. It was, it's really just more like 
I played Warzone for a week and then had a bunch of stuff left to do in the regular multiplayer that I wanted to do in terms of challenges and stuff. Um, so I went back over and played some more of that. But I will be playing some uh, solos in Warzone this weekend. I still haven't gotten around to playing a solos match, but they added that this week, uh, which I imagine is very fun um, because that map is super cool. That's my favorite thing about Warzone is, is the map. So um, I think it lends itself better to a wider range of, of um, team uh, numbers as opposed to something like apex, which feels like it really needs that three person team thing because of the character abilities. Whereas um, Warzone, it works great with three people. I think it would work great with one person too. Uh, so that'll be fun. But um, the, the thing that I played that's a little bit different is um, that's like a multiplayer thing is this, early access still on the Epic store multiplayer shooter called the cycle. Um, I played it last year when it was still an alpha and it was cool, but I didn't, there wasn't a whole lot to do in it in terms of progression mechanics. And it's, it kind of needs that. So I sort of let it, let it sit for a bit, but my friends, we have this perpetual problem where we have one friend who um, is is very frugal about games and likes Word. to buy like one game a year, which is fine. I respect that. Not wanting to spend a lot of money on games. He's he's really into uh, tabletop role playing games, so he does all of our dungeon mastering for our D and D campaigns and stuff. And mm-hmm. that's the thing that he tends to like to collect more. So I I it's hard. He'll buy something if it's like under ten dollars or free to play, but he's not super into like spending a bunch of money on a game. So like something like modern warfare, he would definitely not want to buy, um, which fair. And then I have another friend who, um, doesn't super like PVP stuff, especially not low time to kill high respawn timer kind of thing. Like we all sure. together got into siege and everyone really enjoyed doing the terrorist hunts. And then we got into playing real games and it suddenly fell apart because he and another friend were like, this sucks. I died. And now I have to wait two minutes before I can play again, um, which yep. also fair. Yeah. So sure. it's tough because then my other buddy who I play Call of Duty with and I were kind of like, whatever, we want stuff that's challenging and kind of intense. That's like our goal a lot of games. So we play a lot of Call of Duty together. He and I are going to check out some Red Dead online soon. Um And, uh, so we'll, and we're kind of like willing to buy whatever, if people are going to play it, um, you know, I may not be willing to buy a $60 game all the time, but I I will purchase something to play with friends, uh, if they want to buy it. So anyway, I was sort of looking for something that could, we could all play together, um, that I was also going to enjoy. So I reinstalled this game, the cycle, and it is a really interesting it's not a battle royale. It's a really interesting take on or sort of response to that genre. Um, the developers who make it made a game called Dreadnought that is right. available still, which is I actually thought was pretty cool, but it also I don't know if I can recommend putting a ton of time into it. It kind of took the World of Tanks War Thunder formula, which if you're not familiar, is like you have a vehicle and then it has a bunch of upgrades on it and you're researching the upgrades using points you're getting from playing games. And then from there you like tear into the next vehicle. And um, so it used that structure, but made it all about 
big capital ships like spaceships. Um, and I thought it was very cool. Uh, it's and, and fun to play. Um, it's still running. I think I, I have thought about going to check it out, but in the meantime too, what they're making is this game called the cycle, which is set on a sort of um, not procedurally generated map. Each game you drop into a um, kind of puzzle pieced together map that's that's put together from a set of a bunch of different random handmade chunks of map. So it's like if you broke the PUBG map up into like 30 different chunks and then you used like 10 of those chunks every game, but sure. you arrange them differently. So you get kind of a different map every time, which is neat. And then it you you don't get to pick where you drop. You're just given a random drop location on the map and it's only 20 players. So whether that's solos where you're playing with 19 other solo players, 10 duo teams or um, five four man squads, it's always 20 players and it does have a match timer, but there's no circle or anything. There's nothing like forcing you together. And instead of trying to be the last team standing, you are trying to go around the map and complete objectives that feel kind of like MMO quests, Um, but not, (laughs) I mean, like Like not quests, right? Well, it's, it's so like there'll be a quest to um, there's a bunch of different kinds and every game has a different subset of the like 20 or so different quest types that exist. Uh And it'll be like um, mine some minerals. So you go and you drop down a miner onto a patch of minerals and then it takes like 30 seconds to complete during that time some enemies will spawn like pve big alien bugs will spawn Uh, and you you have to fight them are you mining vespine gas so there is a gas mining one the (laughs) gas mining is different because you put that down and it just sits there it doesn't spawn enemies it just sits in a spot on the map and it collects you points throughout the game Mm -hmm. um there are ones where you have to like go find three sentry bots who then fly to this central rocket pod. And then you have to defend the rocket pod while it prepares to take off. Um, And by doing all these things, you get victory points. There's one, one of my favorites is there's a drill sometimes that will fly around the map and then land over, over oil patches. And then you have to defend this huge drill. It's like a huge um, like borderlands looking kind of thing. That's like an airship that you're walking around on while it's flying and then it lands and you have to defend it from uh, enemies as they spawn and you're like drilling this oil patch. Um, So the twist to all this, there's a bunch of different mission types. Some of them are kind of repetitive and feel similar, but it's generally they're all pretty fun to do because the shooting feels pretty good. Um, I would almost say that it's, it kind of has like some destiny vibes in the sense that, it's a sci-fi looking world. You're going around these open world zones and doing these kind of normally would be kind of mundane quests. Like if this was a, if this was a co-op game and it was just like go around the map and do quests, it would get boring pretty fast. However, there are other players. So the, there is full on, like you just shoot each other. There's PVP. There's no, and, and like you kill each other and everything. So you're trying to do all these objectives, but you have to keep in mind that there's other players. Additionally, um, when you start out, all you have is a pistol, but in between matches, you set up a loadout. And as you complete objectives and stuff, you get money that you can spend to buy pieces of your loadout. So 
and your loadout set is kind of more expansive than what you're going to be able to buy in a match. So you can kind of build a loadout to ha- carry a candle, a few different situations. So it might, your loadout might have like a sniper rifle, a shotgun, an AR and an SMG in it. And then you'll buy different ones for different matches. Um, and so there's some strategy in how you build your loadouts. There's a ton of different pieces of equipment you can put in those loadouts from like healing grenades to um, orbital bombardments to like stun grenades and, and healing spheres. And there's equipment you can get like healing guns for playing in squads. And then another neat thing is when you play the solos mode, anytime you see a player, you can push a button um, and your character will like wave at them and it'll propose a pact. And when you are in a pact, you can't damage each other and you're like sharing objective progress. So you Mm -hmm. can actually like buddy up with someone in the solo modes. The flip to it though, is it normally has like halo style shields where as you take, you take damage, it's very um, high time to kill. Uh, You have shields and your health and both of them recharge automatically after a certain amount of time, not taking damage. So when you join a pact with someone, you lose your shield. So it kind of levels the playing field against a person who might be by themselves still. Um, So then you spend all this time collecting points by doing these quests. You also get points for killing other players and it kind of creates an in-match leaderboard of the top 20 people um, or top 10 teams or top five teams, whatever. And um, then at the end, it starts to get like a storm kind of starts to show up and deal damage to players. And you have to escape on this ship that lands at the center of the map. And it becomes a big focal point for people to fight. But you can also just sort of like zip in and jump on the ship and get out, too, if you don't want to fight. Uh, And then once you're out, everyone gets their points compared. And then from there, you actually get like Monster Hunter style crafting materials based on how you placed. And you're also collecting them while you're in the world. And sort of the other meta half of the game is crafting the various weapons that exist. Um, It has Mm -hmm. a bunch of different ones. They're also tied to blueprints that you get from leveling up different factions. You level up the factions just by declaring your faction each game. And... So it leads to a pretty diverse set of weapons and they all have a bunch of different mods you can put on them, um, kind of like Call of Duty, uh, but you need different crafting materials to make them. Um, so it's pretty cool because it gives you a sense of like, OK, well, I know I want this gun that is like a sci fi M1 Garand that is down. It's level eight on the ICA's path to get the blueprint and I'm going to need these mats for it. Um and then you go and do the materials will say like, oh, you might find this material near former human settlements. And then you'll focus on going to those places on the map and doing the objectives there. So it is a weird combination of like monster hunter style, get the crafting mats and craft stuff and battle royales in terms of you're all on this shared map for a limited set of time. But then you're trying to complete these co-op objectives that are very PVE while watching out for PVP players, because the map is not big enough where you're not going to run into other people. You can certainly play PVP avoidant, which is kind of what we started doing. Um, But then once we all started to get more confident at it, then it was like, okay, well now we can start chasing people when we see them and fighting. Um, And it's just a really interesting mix of stuff. I I'm surprised that it hasn't gotten more coverage because uh, it's, it's, very clever in a lot of ways and it's not like totally perfect it's still kind of like 
stuff can be kind of bullet spongy or whatever. And um, I'm not sure if it would like we were all kind of agreeing that like once you've unlocked everything and crafted everything, I'm not sure it would hold interest in the same way that other that like battle royales would. Um, but it's a cool game and I definitely recommend checking it out. The cool. player count isn't enormous, but it's fine to get games because it's only 20 players. If this were like a hundred player game, it would be rough, but there's usually like around a hundred people playing so you can get a game. Uh, and, uh, and it works really well. I, I think it's worth checking out. It's cool. Yeah. It sounds really interesting. Uh, does like, does the overall polish of the game feel pretty all right? Or like, does it feel janky and kind of, no, it like, feels pretty good. Yeah. Um, like I would say at this stage, it feels better than PUBG did mm. like several months into its development. Um, sure. It, it it doesn't it doesn't feel as good to play as something like a Destiny uh, or a Call of Duty, but um, it's well, totally fine. Uh, can't hold that against it. <laughs> Those are uh, two two like two of the biggest studios in the industry. Yeah, exactly. Um, you have like a jetpack that you can fly around with, um, which is fun to use. Uh, and and in general, I would say it kind of has more of a Halo feel than anything in terms of mm. the shooting and the movement. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, I, I think it's pretty good polish wise. I don't think there's, I haven't, we haven't run into a bunch of like problems or falling through the world or getting DC'd or anything like that. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, the aesthetic I tend to like quite a bit. That's kind of where your mileage may vary a bit. Cause it's somewhere in between like, like you were commenting that the environments kind of look like no man's sky at times, yeah, which is true. And sometimes they can look super, super pretty. Um, some of the characters start to trend more towards Fortnite stuff, which oh, I don't no. mind, but some people <laughs> maybe would be less than enthused by. Um, it definitely has kind of like a space Western, slightly cartoony vibe to the, to the whole thing. Um, they, the concept they... is kind of interesting too. It's like this planet that people settled and then, it got ravaged by this huge storm and now the storm just like it's, it's so big that it covers the entire planet, but the eye of it moves around. So people drop into the eye of the storm to go and like farm resources, but they all live on this space station that orbits the planet. Um, so that's why you have to like get in, do your stuff. And then the storm starts to move over you and then you got to leave. The, it's an interesting lore conceit to a battle yeah. royale kind of mechanic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's funny. Um, yeah, it and it is cool over the course of a match, like the storm starts to get more intense. You don't see it move in like would be cool, but it starts to get more intense and like darker and spookier as the game goes on. It usually mm-hmm. starts very sunny and pleasant and then it gets like stormy and scary uh, by the time you're leaving. Um, so yeah, it's That's cool. cool. And sorry, is that a free to play game? Yes, it is. Interesting. Um, they have a battle pass now, but the battle pass, as is typical for good ones like this, there's nothing like gameplay relevant in it. Um, there's like you can get crafting materials from the battle pass, but they're only in the free battle pass. There's nothing in the paid battle pass that has any relevance other than cosmetics. Cool. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it sounds really cool. You, I think it's coming to consoles too at some point. If it's yeah. not already on PS4, so yeah, uh, I think it is on PS4. Things. From yeah, the footage I, I was I was looking at, it looked like it was on PS4. Yep. I thought it came out there. They're on there like season two, um, so yeah, and it's technically still, I guess, technically still an alpha, but they actually do like real 
they use the correct terminology for software development where they call it an alpha because it's not feature complete yet. Right. Um, and, but it's feels like it may as well be, and they're like taking money for the battle pass. So, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, do you want to, we can kind of go back and forth if you want to talk to me a little bit about murder sure. by numbers. Well, we might have a guest soon, so I'll hold off uh, until that guest sweet. potentially shows up. Uh, so I can talk about the other video game I've been Great, playing. Great, cool. Then I'll talk about my other video game. Yeah. Um, so there's a game that came out just yesterday. Well, yesterday from the time of this recording, uh, which is a sequel to a beloved game for 2016 and never before, uh, and that is Doom. Yeah. So, uh I was a big fan of Doom 2016, actually. I thought it was really interesting, like the way they kind of revitalized the whole series. Totally, yeah. Um, Because everyone was expecting that game to be terrible uh, because it had not put out an excellent game in a long time. Like, you basically had Doom 3, which people didn't like. Uh, And what did they do? I know they did Rage. Which, you know, the mega textures and stuff like that. <laughs> There's cool stuff about Rage, but it's a miss overall. Yeah, like it wasn't bad per se, but it didn't inspire a lot of... Um, no, I played it last year and like the 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 levels where you shoot stuff are good, but then... You have and to drive around a pretty a boring open world. There's and a lot of It's driving. way too long too, so yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know. When did Quake Four come out? Was that also in that kind of range when uh, when people weren't liking ID Software that much? I don't. I think Quake Four was earlier, but except so uh, you. I'm trying to remember yeah. my orders, but either way, like the, oh yeah, ID's track record was not particularly great. No. Um, so everyone was looking at that, thinking, uh, "We'll see." And it, yeah, and as we all know, it turned out. Really excellent. It revitalized the series and it approached things from both like being technically super good and also gameplay really good and just yeah, overall vibe awesome. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Doom Eternal, people kind of had some hype going into it rather than the the skepticism that they had for Doom twenty sixteen. And I'm probably four or five hours into it. I don't know. There's not a there's not a clock on it, so I can't tell you exactly how many how how far. But so far, um. I think it is good. I don't think it is really good yet, but I think it is good. Um, cool. It feels way more arcadey than Doom 2016, which is both a good thing and a bad thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of mixed on parts of it. Like, um, in terms of campaigns, the closest I would compare it to is like Quake 2. Surprisingly, yeah. Um, which, which I think is a good campaign. It's, but it's much different in tone and gameplay and all that versus mm-hmm. Doom 2016. Yeah, um, the footage I've seen is just wild of like the environments and stuff. Like Doom 2016's progression through the world felt pretty natural. Mm-hmm. Like you were in these Martian facilities, and then you go to hell and stuff. Like it, it didn't. It felt you know, a little on the absurd side because it's doom, but it, mm-hmm. it wasn't like it, it felt plausible for a science fiction story. Um, sure. Whereas stuff I've seen from doom eternal is just like one minute you're looking at an office building and then the next minute you're like 
in like a super quake style environment, like corridor and then like larger room <laughs> that yep. has like the steel walls and stuff. Like it looks wild. Yeah, it, it, it does have that. And like um, some of the other arcadey kind of aspects to it, like you're picking up armor shards like you did in Quake, and it actually makes the same sound that Quake had when you're picking yeah. those up, which I think is that kind of felt cool because you know I, I played a shit ton of Quake back in the day, uh, so that's neat. But like one of the things I enjoyed in 2016 was when you would pick up the little uh, bobblehead dudes, and like you would do those, you would traverse and find the secrets and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and just you would come up and you find this little bobblehead and pick it up and like give it a fist bump or whatever. In this one. All of the secrets just show up as giant glowing question marks, and it's just huh. like, oh, so like it's like you're just getting a glowing pickup, and then you pick it up, and it's the bobblehead or whatever. Uh, but um, yeah, like I said, armor pickups. The uh, when you're picking up new weapons, like they're literally just glowing green versions of the weapon that's spinning around. Like it's not like you're walking up to a thing and pressing E and then picking it up and having a whole like animation. It's just yeah. Yeah, it just feels like an old arcade shooter in that way. Which again, not necessarily a bad thing, just a different vibe. Um, there was something else that was kind of weird. I'm trying to remember what it was now, sorry. Uh, like, you are still picking up lots of pieces of lore and stuff, which is neat. The codex is much bigger this time around. And like huh. uh, reading the lore, it's actually much more fleshed out. Like That's funny, because I would yeah. think the opposite would be true <laughs> based on how weird it is. Oh, it's extremely weird. Um, yeah, the story is interesting so far. Um, one, one of the things that I found a little weird about it is in 2016, again, comparing, uh, everything was from the first person perspective. There was no cutscenes. Uh, you know, like it was just, it was like a one shot game, kind of like God of War, if you want to think of it that way. Whoa. But, and it was also the my favorite thing about 2016 Doom is the whole premise was that it was a rejection of like narrative shooters in the first yeah. place. Like it was a it was at every turn where they were going to inject narrative. The Slayer is like, fuck this, I don't care. Yep, give me a new gun, get out of my way. <laughs> Yeah. And I found that very entertaining. Like uh, it was, it was a little on the nose, but it was, it was fun. Yeah, it it was very dumb in that way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, and it was trying to say something, I guess, in in a very on the nose again and blunt way. But it it felt like more like a piece of of critical media than you would have expected from from Doom. Doom. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you do still get a lot of that dumb here. Like there is still a lot of that kind of like attitude from Doomslayer. Doom. But I guess from what I've seen, it feels more like attitude and less like an actually clever yeah. like critique of the genre. Somewhat. Yeah, you do get. I, I would agree with that a little bit. I, and I think, also, it's just been they did it once before, you know. So it's like yeah, exactly. How much so, weight does that critique have when it's when you're doing it the second time? Yeah, it's inherently less impressive because you kind of expect it this time. You're right. Yeah. Um, but. I don't know. There's things about it that I super love. Like uh, I think the gameplay itself feels really good. You're doing a lot more. Um, you're a lot more mobile. Like you start the game with a double jump, and mm-hmm. you uh, like you you get a dash. You have these things that you can kind of grip onto and send yourself flying through the air. There's jump pads. Like 
it's encouraging you to be moving at all times, and the combat feels really good for that. Like the combat puzzles are still excellent. Uh, I was playing on ultraviolence, and it got just way too hard. So I went, yeah. I went, I went down to hurt me plenty, uh, just so I can hopefully get through the campaign, and then maybe go back to like some of the challenge rooms with the harder difficulty. Um, but yeah, it's it's good, but it's not blowing my mind as of yet. Just That's because. Fair. Like so, I don't know, some parts of it feel like a couple steps back, and a couple like some parts feel like big steps forward. It's it's a good game, but like I said, not really good for me yet. Yeah, that that makes sense, and it's kind of I've been on an up and down. Like originally, I was pretty excited about it, um, and I was like, "Oh, they're calling it Doom Eternal and not Doom Two. What does that mean? That sounds like it could mean something like bigger than it just being a normal sequel." Yeah, um, and then more came out about it and I was kind of like, eh, I don't know if I liked doom 2016, but I don't know if I need another one of those. Um, and then as we've gotten closer to release, um, and I, I started when I was, I watched Brad from giant bomb play a bunch of it. And, um, the, the specific things that it's doing a little differently in terms of that mobility. Mm -hmm. And then also in terms of, um, the way that you access secrets and stuff um, is actually kind of what I want from a Doom sequel. Yeah. Can, hey, like, also, we are joined Allison. by we are joined by an Allison. Yeah. Hi. I slept through all of my alarms. So <laughs> no, it's fine. I wasn't I even going to call still, you out on it. Good I'm morning. <laughs> no. So, I, so that's also why I am like half asleep still because I woke up like five minutes ago. So Oh, don't worry. We're not going to force you into talking right away. Cool. Um, but like one of the things about Doom Eternal, Allison, since you were now here, uh, yeah. that I was kind of struggling with was that the balance of the early game was really bad. Like yeah. it always felt like you didn't have enough health or enough ammo. Uh, like the shotgun, you had 16... 16 shells and yeah. that was it and you would have to pick up either pick up uh ammo or use the chainsaw and like I get that they're trying to f- push you into using those systems cuz those systems are cool like making it the combat puzzle kind of thing yeah but like sometimes it just felt like I was playing for let's say 10 seconds and already seeing like the you're out of ammo screen and it's like well that's frustrating like that's my that least annoying. favorite part of doom 2016 is the ammo management because yeah it's and i mean i'm i've i started a replay of it like a month or two ago and then mm. i actually want to finish it before i pick up the new one so um it might be a little bit before i get to it but uh it's i'm enjoying playing it again but the two things that i don't like about doom 2016 is one the ammo management is a little too much in my opinion. I like that chainsaw system of chainsawing mm-hmm. things to get ammunition, but I'm playing it on ultra violence and there's been a couple of fights where I'm just like, yeah, you got to give me like, there's a fight about a third of the way, maybe closer to halfway before you go to hell where you're in this room with these two big turbines and yep. they spawn four hell knights on ultra violence mm-hmm. at the same time. And it's like, <laughs> And it's already like after you fought multiple big enemies and it's really, really frustrating. I almost dropped the difficulty at that point, but I was like, no, I played it on hurt me plenty before. I know I can do it on ultra violence. I want challenge. Um, and then the other thing I don't like about doom 2016 is I don't like the, 
the secrets and stuff are cool. And like you were saying, finding the little bobbleheads is cool, mm-hmm. but I don't like the fact that you, you basically, the way you play that game is you finish the level and then you run back through the level to find <laughs> yeah. everything. Yes. And then you spend like an hour running around an empty level, not always an hour. That's an exaggeration maybe, but you spend anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour running around an empty level, not fighting anything, just poking at walls, trying to figure out where this, the, the access to the the secret is. Yep. And I don't like that. Um, I will say it sounds like eternal has they, a lot more fast traveling. Yes, that kind they, of solves that problem. Yeah. As soon as you get to the end of a level, it, Gives you the opportunity to fast travel around the yeah. level, so, so that, that is sounds nicer. really cool. That, that sounds like good. I like that a lot, and, 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 and I and like it, the it aerial also, stuff. Yeah, it also fills in your map. So if if like you've walked past a secret area and you've seen it, like it'll very likely be marked on your map. Or yeah. if you pick up the auto map thing, it'll tell you, okay, there's a secret around here, so you can fast travel to that. Cool, and that's good. Yeah. That sounds but, like good quality of life, but yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Even if you want the game to have some level of difficulty, which is definitely true, I feel like. Ammo management is maybe the most annoying way yeah. to to make yeah. something difficult. Like, I, I don't know if it's ever fun in any game to be like, unless you're, unless it's like survival horror, where I would argue like, it's not even fun in a survival horror game. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's not necessarily fun, but you like you get it because yeah, you're I know just like stressful. But like Doom, what you want it to feel like is you want to feel like super powerful, and yeah, that you don't feel powerful when you're like, oh. I would shoot you, but my shotgun does not have any ammo with it. So. Yeah. Exactly. So, like for me in um, 2016, the way I like to play because I also played on ultra violence was to use as much ammo as I could, and then the the chainsaw was kind of a get out get out of jail free card, right? right. Like, yeah. it's a way to reset. It's not like a part of the flow. It's like right. okay. I need to refill everything. Okay, I'm going to use this chainsaw once in this entire battle, and that should keep me set for the rest of it. In this one, it feels like every encounter you're using the chainsaw like two or three times, and like Mm. that's it. Just I found that balance to be a little off. Um, That being said, as the game progresses and you get some upgrades and you're able to up your ammo count and up your health, because health is also an issue. Like you feel kind of squishy at the start, which also weird for Doom. Mm. Um, Like. Once you get in with the big spider boys, whose names I can't remember not not the spider mastermind, but the one the other spider boys that have yeah. turrets on their head, um, like one of those can bring you down like from a hundred like hundred percent health to zero within probably five seconds if you're not careful, and like it it, it just the balance felt really off at the start. But yeah. now that I'm like four or five hours in, it feels better because I've upgraded in a way to kind of mitigate that, but. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing. I'm, I don't think I'm even halfway through. I'm looking forward to the latter half to see how it goes by then. But mixed mixed feelings about the start, but mostly positive. It's the weirdest thing to me that I don't understand. Like the upgrade system seems pretty much the same as the one from Doom 2016. Somewhat, yeah. Um, very similar. Maybe not. Yep. I know it's a little bit different, but but. The whole profile level thing with the weekly and daily challenges. Yeah, that's weird. That seems like totally not necessary and very strange. And I don't know if it's like the idea is you're going to do stuff for the battle mode or like I'm so curious what their long term support for this game looks like because it almost seems like because there's the battle mode, which I'm very interested in. 
where you're two demons versus one slayer. Yeah. Um, which is like catnip to me. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, but then there's the invasion thing, which is like a dark Souls style. You can like, if so, if you, if you have to turn it on, you can turn it off, but you, you can invade another player's single player game and play as a demon against them, which sounds very cool as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if they're planning on releasing some kind of like rogue, like, like run based thing separate from the main game where you're just playing through randomized levels with invaders or something. That would be um, neat. Cause that seems like something I could get a ton of time out of. Cause I like one of my, probably one of my actual games of the decade last year, even though I never talk about it was uh devil daggers, huh, which I think is a absolutely brilliant game. Um, running and it's on, running on the quake one engine. <laughs> Yeah. And it's brilliant because you can just open it and do a run and the run will last you five minutes. If you're good, (laughs) it'll probably last you like a minute and you can play a few runs and it's like very fun to just get in, get some shooter goodness and then get out. And um, so if there was something like that in, in doom eternal where it was like pop into some kind of daily challenge or just roll a challenge map that's randomized and play it against somebody else who's playing as a, as a, as a demon, that could be really cool. And if that's why there's like daily and weekly challenges, cause it's designed as that sort of a service game thing where you're unlocking skins and maybe having a battle pass or something. Great. Mm-hmm. If it's like you can get icons for your profile forever, <laughs> that sounds like something that doesn't need to be in that game. Yeah. That seems to be, there's also like the equivalent of like emotes that you can get, which is a little weird. Um, I, I've not really been interacting with that, but I've also the, the multiplayer isn't yet available to my knowledge. The battle uh, mode, yeah, the battle mode. It's so, so I weird, yeah. But um, one thing I'll say is, you can't once you beat a level, once you get back to your hub world, which is called the Fortress of Doom, <laughs> and it's <laughs> it's it's like basically this asteroid's like orbiting Earth, and it's it's pretty fucking. That's great. very good. It's very stupid, and then you can like listen to. Like broadcasts coming from the rebels on Earth, like that are fighting the hell demons, because you know the premise is that hell has basically taken Earth over. Uh, you can listen to them saying, "Oh, there's been reports that the Doomslayer has been seen on Earth. We don't know if you should talk to him yet. He might not like anyone. So while he's killing demons, which is great for us, he might also kill you. So be careful." <laughs> and they they also refer to him as Doom Guy sometimes, which is weird. That's good. Bless. Uh, that's that's amazing. Yeah, but either way, um, from the Fortress of Doom, there is actually a menu you can get to where you can go back and play through levels that you've been through with modifiers on or cheat codes, uh, like specific. Like you can have God Mode or whatever, like instigate kind of things. So it does encourage some replayability there, which is kind of neat. I haven't actually done that yet because I'm just trying to get through the campaign. Uh, but there is an option there, and if they were going to do kind of a roguelike run based thing, I could see it being based out of that, which yeah. would be cool. So yeah, Fortress. Yeah. So I'm hopeful that they that they <laughs> put something like that in, and it just seems like it's sort of built to support something like that. But also, um, I will probably play it either way because it sounds like it's also just a pretty fun shooter. Yeah, uh, I, I'm just hoping. Aside. Yeah, I'm just hoping to find Isabel in there somewhere. <laughs> like it's just a little bobblehead or whatever because it's, it's still the best thing that the gaming industry has seen in a long time I, is that I am crossover. so happy that that those two fandoms decided let's let's be chill together 
Um, But yeah, even though I am definitely playing the other game, uh, I might have to pick up Doom Eternal at some point or at least pull out my copy of Doom 2016 because that sounds really like cathartic to play right now. Yeah. So I might have to play it again. But yeah. Speaking of that other game. Okay. Yay. Animal Crossing came out finally. (laughs) Yeah. Pat, you've also been playing it, right? Yeah. Less. I haven't played as put as much time into it, but I have played it. I did pay off my, my Nook miles, my initial Nook miles debt last night and my house should be available today. I know my house should be available today. So I haven't played it yet. So after this podcast, I, I'm going to go get my house. So I'm very excited about that. So nice. How has a significant amount of time been spent in the tent? And like, like, does it feel like you're getting to the house quickly or does it feel like you've spent a lot of time in the tent? I, I paid off my Nick miles pretty quickly. Like I started, I've started playing the game, uh, at 11 PM, uh, my time because that's when it unlocked. I played for an hour, hour and a half, uh, went to bed woke up, played it for a little bit in the morning and I was able to pull, uh, pay off my Nook miles. Mm-hmm. So I am going to be starting up on day three and I should be having a house. Um, that said, there's still a lot of, uh, things that are going on with the Island. Like there's still a lot yeah. to be unlocked and discovered. Uh, the other thing that I'm very excited about today is that, uh, blathers from the museum is coming, so I'm like, fuck yeah, come, come hang out on my island, blathers. But there's still, but like really, when they start off the game, uh, it is, it, it there's a lot more progression than any other Animal Crossing game I've played because of the whole, you you unlock various things or you you develop various things. So that's that's definitely interesting. So I don't. I even if the I'm getting out of my tent today, uh, I think that's a okay. Yeah. Have you, have you encountered Mr. Versetti yet? He apparently is not in the game anymore because he. Uh, they is, laid him off. Yeah, yeah. They shut his department down and laid him off. Yeah, uh, apparently, like there's a, there's like a rescue thing where if you get stuck somewhere on the island, you can get. Mr. Rossetti to come get you, but you don't see Mr. Rossetti. So sad. It's brutal. I know. So he still has a job. It's just, you know, maybe less fun for him than yelling at people because they turned off their game without saving. <laughs> Missed opportunity too, because you could totally have him be like the doomsayer when you turn off your game in the middle of a save and it corrupts your save file and you have to restart. You could be the one that's like, you fucked up. Like uh, I shouldn't even be here, but you yeah, fucked exactly. up. Exactly. I'm coming like, out of retirement for this. <laughs> it's like the, this was supposed to be so easy for you. Yeah. You, you fucked it up. Yeah. No. I think um it's it's definitely more engaging um to me than past Animal Crossing games in terms of it does feel like you're kind of building something. Mm-hmm. Um which is which is very cool. Um it's funny because um there's certain things that I think um are indicative of the 
the kind of I, I'm trying to word this because I really don't mean this as like a way to pick on people who are longtime Animal Crossing fans. Sincerely, I don't. It seems like uh, people like there's a there are people and I wouldn't even like put you in this group, Allison, because you play such a wide range of games. But there are people who Animal Crossing is like one of the only games that they play. Right. Like maybe they'll play Animal yeah. Crossing and Pokemon or maybe they'll play Animal Crossing and like stardew or harvest moon style games or maybe they play animal crossing and minecraft but they don't play like a wide berth of games and it's interesting because um there's things like animal crossing has now has weapon durability for example (laughs) uh which which to to me i saw it and was like you gotta be fucking kidding me (laughs) my fishing pole is gonna break but to my mom who doesn't play a lot of other games um she plays a lot of like puzzle games and stuff but she doesn't play a lot of like rpgs and stuff like that um it's interesting it's like oh well that's interesting now i have to collect some more sticks to make another fishing pole and so it's a very interesting it's interesting the way that um, it almost feels like they could, as long as they do it with the level of quality that Nintendo puts into pretty much everything they make, they could do almost anything. Like they could say like, oh, we're going to have a tactics game in here now where you fight weeds or something. And people, even if it was implemented in a way that to the rest of us was kind of like, this feels like more busy work. Yeah. There is a subset of Animal Crossing fans who would just be like, awesome, great. This is so cool. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's interesting because I think there's a lot of that kind of um, adapting stuff that has kind of become maybe um, rote or repetitive or frustrating in other games and um, trying to give it some kind of new life in this game. And I don't even the necessarily new have horizon. Yeah, exactly. I don't even really have like a critique either way. Oh. Like the, the fishing pole breaking hasn't been a big problem yet. I've had to craft. I've had two fishing poles break. Um, yeah, I, I've had more than that. Um, the only problem I had was that I ran out of sticks. So then I was trying to shake trees to get sticks. And then I get stung by wasps. So and, it's a whole thing. But then yeah. I could just buy it. But then I just bought a fishing pole from from them. And that's yeah. the thing is it seems like there's always ways around the f- yeah. frustration um, yeah. that that keep it from getting that make it into a momentary setback. Um, right. And, and it doesn't feel to me, I'm sure there are people who are playing it this way, but it doesn't feel to me like the kind of game where I'm like, okay, start my time in animal crossing by collecting as all the sticks I can find and making 10 fishing poles. It doesn't feel like that at all. If, because the world is such a perfect size that it feels like it's like, okay, well I went fishing for a bit and my pole broke. So I guess that means now it's time to go catch some bugs, um, right. which, oh, which yeah, that's- works. That's what I've done too. Or, or if you're like really getting into that fishing, you're like, okay, time to go get another one. But it's like, it's, it doesn't feel like super frustrating. No, it and it only, it's just kind of more of like you're, you're, you're fishing and then it breaks. And you're like, it's, I think the, the strongest emotion I felt was like, oh, darn. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> in a way, that's almost pleasant somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Which is very strange. But the strongest emotion uh, that you feel is just like, ah, okay, that's oh, crap. All right. I know. Uh, <laughs> Guess I gotta make another one. <laughs> and I think that the way that they, it, it's so ripe for, um, being like Nintendo's destiny in the sense that <laughs> what? they can just add like there's so much they can add onto now. Like 
I mean, I know that they did this with with uh, New Leaf to an extent too. So uh, it's I, I know it's not like the first time, and I just didn't play that one much. But because of the fact that the Switch is marginally online, it's more online than any other <laughs> Nintendo console has been before. Yeah, it's more they online, can, but that's not saying a whole lot. <laughs> no, but it does. They do have the capacity to push like events and stuff and like they've yeah. done that well with stuff like Splatoon in the past. So, I think that that's the most exciting part to me is as long as I can get my town to like a somewhat livable state, the idea of coming back for like different events and things sounds sounds fun. Yeah, um, and from if- and from what I understand, um events uh are based off of the online time versus the in uh your uh, switch time, which is not necessarily like that big of a, uh, you know, might not sound like a lot, but or for example, you can't time travel to the first event right now. Um, yeah. I'm going to let you make your point, Alex. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say like, if comparing it to Splatoon, if you were going to have like a splat fest style thing in animal crossing, how would that work? Would it be like, you choose a side and then you like collect a certain amount of bugs that are contributing to a giant pool for everyone or what? <laughs> I don't know like, that it would work exactly like that, but like it would be, uh, it would be interesting to have kind of a, you know, a splat festy style asynchronous I, kind what of What you do is that you take cool. a bunch of paint and you throw it around and uh, yeah. whoever gets the most paint on their islands wins. Okay. If anything, yeah. I think that the game's biggest failing from what I've seen, and I really hope that this is something they can rectify and add somehow to in there um, is the fact that there is not a way to just go visit someone randoms Island. Um, yeah. And destroy that feels it. well, <laughs> maybe, but also <laughs> like just, just enjoy it. Just like see, see other people's creations. It seems like a huge missed opportunity. And I understand that a lot of kids play the game and that there's a lot of freedom in what you can put on your, um, on your like bulletin board and stuff. Like mm. I or, promptly, or just like, you could make a, a custom design and then yeah. put it on the ground and just, it could say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> I mean, That's my dangerous. bulletin board, my first bulletin board post was eat my ass. Just kidding. <laughs> um, oh, see, so, mine was just a drawing of me going like, yay. So this is the difference between you and I. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not looking to make my, my town into a total vulgar city, but uh, maybe slightly vulgar city. <laughs> But but I feel like you could still like you, like you could you could censor stuff right. for when you're going to random like maybe you could make it so like oh designs just don't pop up right and or you, you don't see. And, and if there's language they filter out language in um in in bulletin board posts and signs and stuff like that I feel like that would be possible um, yeah as it stands all you can do is really like make your island and then make a YouTube video about it um, oh man. Which is they, a little bit frustrating. That was the thing I missed about not having. Well, I borrowed a Wii U. I never had my own. But like, just the whole. What there. was the, the what was the way that you would draw things and people could the see Miiverse? them? The Miiverse. Was it Miiverse? Yeah. yeah. If yes. if Animal yeah. Crossing could have their own Miiverse kind of thing that was just as unmoderated as Miiverse was, <laughs> that <laughs> would like, be they perfect. They had that in Splatoon as well. Yeah, so, exactly. Like... And Mario Maker, to be frank, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at is that they've they've managed to make experiences that are very, very, very much custom content that have somehow not caused 
you know, Jack Thompson levels of outrage in <laughs> among parents. So I don't see why they could not in, do something like yeah. that for Animal Crossing. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe you have to like maybe earn it somehow. Like maybe you have to get a certain number of like, I don't know, like points that that prove that you're a good community member or something. Well, so like, you have to fucking build your credit. Is what you're saying? Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'd take whole... my eat my ass bulletin oh, down if oh, it meant I, that I got some points. You need a credit score of above whatever to interact with the community. I mean, that's kind <laughs> of what Nook Miles are, and honestly, I think the Nook Miles system is like kind of ingenious because it does give you that little rush when you see like you got new Nook Miles, and you go, "Oh, yes. what did I get Nook Miles for?" And it's usually something that's completely arbitrary and completely yes. like dumb, and you're just like. Cool. Okay. Like you get Nook Miles for starting the Nook Miles program. You get Nook Miles for spending Nook Miles. You get Nook Miles uh, for basically everything. But it gives you that little like, like rush. Like it's this kind. Of, it kind of feels like, like the kind of way that they would try to be. Yeah. Yes. yes. Like how they would try to get you into a like free to play game, but it's a paid game, so there's no like scummy. Here you could pay extra money to get that rush a little bit more. You're like, the coin doubler. Yeah, you could go and fish though. You could catch ten more fish, and then you'll get another stamp on your yeah. Nook Miles fishing card, and you get like three hundred more miles. And the other thing that I thought is interesting is that if you have like a passport, it gives you like new words for it. Yes. So yeah. So it's like you're just like, oh, I want to see what all those words do, are. Do you know what Nook the Nook Miles system is? And this is. Great. It is the gun camo system from Modern Warfare, but they put it in Animal I'm dead serious You're because right. you unlock gun camos in Modern Warfare by being like, oh, get a hundred long shot kills. Oh get a hundred get a hundred uh like um kills while mounted on a piece of terrain. Get a hundred kills while crouched. It's yep. that. It's a hundred percent that, except they put it in Animal Crossing. And it's very good. It is like it's very cathartic and very like Oh, well, I only need to do I only need to to catch five more bugs and then I get more Nook Miles. Right. Um, And it gives you like if you if you're at a point where you're thinking, okay, it's been um, like there's not much more to do on my island right now until the next day. You can pull up your Nook Miles and go, okay, I want to get fill this out or do a little bit more or I want to have enough Nook Miles so that I can buy this or that. So it, it 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 gives you an incentive to keep playing, yeah. but which which sounds like it would be for like a free to play game, but it's an incentive to keep playing the sixty dollar game that you don't have uh, uh, microtransactions in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's dead all all that stuff is, is is pretty smart. I still the the only I don't know what the right word is. The only issue that I have with it still is I still struggle with. The and actually Nook Miles does help with this more than in previous games, but I still struggle with like the like, okay, so the three things I'm doing in this game mechanically are collect stuff, which is pretty similar, different ways that you collect stuff, um, sell stuff that I picked up for bells, go find stuff to sell for bells, and then, um, drop stuff in my house. And sometimes my brain clicks into like, why am I doing this mode? 
and it's a little bit challenging. No, I get um, you. I get you. There are definitely. I feel like I've hit those to- th- those times in previous Animal Crossing games. I haven't hit it that much this game yet. That said, it's. I, I guess I'm probably more predisposed for Animal Crossing, so it takes a little bit, little bit longer for it to click in my brain. Well, and what I try to remember is like I'm, I, I really like Sea of Thieves, for example. Um, and there's no reason to do anything in Sea of Thieves except to make numbers go up that unlock cosmetics. So, like at the end of the day, the reason you do, the reason you should be playing any game is because moment to moment you're having fun. Right. And so if that's the case, that's all that matters. But um, it is like sometimes it challenges my like brain circuits of like, well, but I'm not getting a better gun. I'm not get, I'm not doing anything to get anything better. So what's the point? But I also think that um, the crafting helps with that, too, because eventually it's going to be like, oh, I'm sure there is some really good golden shovel that if that I that I want to craft that I'll need a bunch of different resources for. So um, speaking of, do you remember, do you know how to get iron yet? Um, so, okay. So do you have an ax yet? Yeah. So, okay. So you can just hit rocks with an ax. I did notice that. And money comes out of them, sometimes, which is yeah. very good. But, uh, but sometimes, but sometimes if you hit rocks, money doesn't come out of them, but, uh, it, it does stone, clay and iron okay so, cool. I, well, I figured that yeah. might be the case but i wasn't sure uh cool that's good to know so yeah i don't know i like I, i'm i'm enjoying my time with it thus far uh, yeah i mm-hmm. i'm really enjoying it and i feel like i mean I, I so much has been said of this game is the game that we need right now but when i booted up my game and it, the music started playing and they're like Go to an island. I'm just like, thank you. Oh, Animal my God. Crossing. The music is so good. The music is like the best Sesame Street music. <laughs> like, seriously, it's like it's like like really soothing, like jazz trumpets yeah. and stuff like that. And like very, very relaxing, but not all the way into like shitty um, like grocery store music or anything or elevator music. Don't, it still is like engaging enough. Don't talk yeah. shit about CVS bangers oh on God, this podcast. I, I, understand. <laughs> I, I was laying in bed listening to that. And my partner was like, what are you listening to? And I was like, it's this thing that Alex and Andre really like. I never said I really Walker. like it. Oh, I thought you were saying you liked it. <laughs> I think it's dumb. And Andre liked it. Yeah. I, I was listening to it just like, this is stupid. Oh, it's extremely, it's extremely stupid. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't, it didn't grab me as a huge mouth sounds fan. Uh, <laughs> I did not find the same level of craft in CVS bangers. I would agree with but that. As with um, anything uh, in, in the times that we live in, if you're getting enjoyment out of it, that's great. Yeah. So I have two questions. First, what, what fruits are hanging out in y'all's trees? I have apples. I have pears, but my mom, who for a second I thought might be my real mom, because I don't, she could have very easily gotten a switch and started playing. She really likes Animal Crossing, but she doesn't have a switch. So, uh, for I wasn't sure if like somehow <laughs> yeah. she got no. like my friend code for my brother or something. I don't know, but you get a thing from your mom, and she mm-hmm. sends you some fruits. Uh, yeah, and the fruits that I got were peaches. Not yeah, peaches she sent and me pears. peaches too, and I yeah. can't I can't plant them yet. So they're hanging out in my inventory and I am like constantly Wait. anxious about accidentally selling them. Why can't you plant them? Wait, you can't plant them right away? 
You can. You can plan. Oh yeah, I planted them. I planted Fuck. all three of those. Okay, <laughs> number one thing I'm doing right now. I think are, you have to dig. Wait. I think you have to dig a hole to plant them. Right, but you can't. But you can't dig a hole yet. Oh, I have a shovel. Oh yeah, there's. How do you get a shovel? Uh, I got it from Blathers. Okay, so that's the other thing. Is that okay? So I don't have a shovel yet. So that was that was the issue uh, there you because go. Blathers that's is yeah. still coming to my island today. Gotcha. But, okay. See, I the first night okay. that I played, all I did was get everything set up initially, and then I crafted a fishing pole, and then I f- like fished ten motherfucking fish right in a row. Um, like I missed one of them, and then was like, oh yeah, I remember how fishing works now, and then just started nailing them and then donated a bunch of them to Nook and he, and got the like tent to put down for blathers. The oh, first so you night. got blathers like right away. Okay. Oh yeah. 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 I didn't yeah, get them until yesterday. yesterday. Dang. Okay. So that's why, cause I, and I was, I, I didn't have blathers there, so I couldn't get a shovel. As soon as shovel. you talk to him, he's like, oh, you, you don't have the vaulting pole either then. No. Oh yeah. So as soon as you talk so, to him, he's so, like, yo, there's fossils in them, there Hills, but you're going to have to get over the river. And I was like, Oh cool. I'm going to learn how to build bridges. And instead he's like, like if you pull vault over the river, <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is very silly. Yeah. It's very silly uh, and it helps to get around. But my, my, uh, my small corner of my Island is beautiful. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. It is pristine without any weeds. I, I got it Aww. great, but I th- don't worry. I sold them to a child. So, oh, good. yes. Yeah. You can sell your weed. You can uh, make your weeds into uh, stuff too, eventually. There's, yeah, a, there's I made it into a little umbrella. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was very cute. Yep. Um, uh, my, yeah. My second question <laughs> is, <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited to be able to pole vault today. Word. <laughs> I'm not even touching that because that's just such a great statement. Um, I don't know if you've seen the memes, but one of my favorites has been the um, person who's like, "Oh, I really can't wait for Animal Crossing to come out. I wish it, I, I could just like step away from work for a while and just play this all the time." And then it's just a right. monkey monkey paw kind of yeah <laughs> thing yeah. for our current situation. And I thought that was fucking yeah. hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's. I saw that. It's very funny. It's extremely true, but it's also, I think, just kind of indicative of how, like, much this game resonates with people right now, especially yes. in this time. Which is, it's, yeah. Because it's like, oh, you get, it's just a, such a chill experience. You go hang out with your friends. Like, you can go visit people in person. You talk to them in yeah. person. and. Yeah. It's just, it's just, there's so many little things that, like, it, 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 it is a, that is a very monkey paw situation. But at the same time, it's like, um, I, 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 it, it feels totally understandable why this is, this game is resonating right now. Yeah. I think and, it, it did hit at the perfect time. Yeah. And I, I definitely, um, like, one thing it's really great for is um, I was kind of looking for something. If you're fortunate enough to be able to work from home, mm-hmm. um, it is a really good like, oh, well, I'm in between tasks and I've been working for the last couple hours. I'm going I need something to do for like 10 minutes that isn't work. 
Yeah. It's very good for that because, you know, I also, like I had mentioned, I picked up the show this week and um, I have Grand Blue Fantasy Versus that I'm still playing and Call of Duty and stuff. All of those things require just a little bit too much time investment to take a like quick break from and play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think um, it's perfect, though, to be able to just pick up Animal Crossing and it's on Switch. So it's like I don't even have to tab away from like what I'm doing. I can just pick up my Switch and play it at my desk for a few minutes and go catch a couple of fish or something and then sort of do a brain reset. Uh, I yeah, I definitely did that a couple of times yesterday during the work yeah. day where I was working I got something done and I was like, OK, I'm going to take 10 minutes to go visit my Animal Crossing village. Yeah. And. That was really nice. Yeah. To have. Yeah. And it should be noted that meme, I think, is very tongue in cheek because obviously the situation yes. is fucking terrible. Oh, yeah. For yeah, all yeah. involved, especially those who are currently without work. That's like. Oh, it sucks. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it, it it's is at least, a, it is at least a little bit of levity in these times, which is yeah. very necessary. And like I said, I, I personally don't have that much drive to play Animal Crossing, but um, I think it, it did hit at pretty much the perfect time. Yeah, and I and I, I feel like there's also, like I feel like both of the games that came out this week uh, with Doom Eternal and Animal Crossing, like, there is a certain level of, like, catharsis that, like, makes them both kind of perfect for this time, where in Doom Eternal, you're just shooting things very viscerally but in animal crossing you're you're making connections and i feel like both of those have like such a place right now mm-hmm. agreed um i when you said that there's you're talking about a meme i thought you were going to bring up uh the number one thing that's missing from animal crossing new horizons which is uh, almost unforgivable which is um wait uh, uh, pat what is it is it well you can already sell weed so that's yeah. in there um, can you? I dab, assume you can, can grow you, mushrooms. Can you dab? Well, you can catch a dab. Oh, yeah, you can catch a dab. Yeah, catch that, a dab. I think right. I think that that, that makes that sense. Fair. You can have you, such little arms that it would be hard to you know properly get, dab get in there. To, yeah. to get a nice deep dab. Um, can you floss? No, no. But that's not what I'm talking floss. about. Okay, what are what are you talking about, Allison? Uh, from people who have done data mining of this game already. There is no froggy chair, which that's uh, right. And that is a terrible miscalculation on Nintendo's part. And hopefully they patch in a froggy chair. Yeah, that's needed ASAP. (laughs) Also, my closing statement on Animal Crossing, not that we have to stop, but um, we'll we'll be talking about it again. If you and I hope Sam is listening to this because he he flirted with this idea. If you time travel. And you're an adult and you're like talking about this game actively. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck off. You're cheating. You're cheating. And I wish that Nintendo had some kind of battle eye system to ban you and take your copy of Animal Crossing away. Because the whole thing, we're supposed to do it together. Everyone's supposed to experience it at the same time. We're supposed to have conversations about like, oh, I got the vaulting pole today. And now I can dig holes and stuff. It's not, I, it's, it, would, it would have sucked ass if I had come here today and been like, oh, Allison, don't worry. I time traveled to the end of the progression tree. So I know everything. Let me spoil the entire game for you. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. 
It's one thing if you're like a child and you're impatient. I'm not gonna get mad at children, but like <laughs> that's beautiful though. Grow the fuck up, be patient. <laughs> Farm a fucking fossil like the rest of us uh, in real time. That's the whole point of the game. <laughs> it's like if you just like bought the Call of Duty Battle Pass and then bought a hundred tier skips right off the bat. The only person you're hurting is yourself. That's the that's that's the only that's 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 all I have. That's to say. Animal Crossing, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> Allison, guess what? Yeah. We both been playing the same game, also. So, yeah. Like it's like our Venn diagrams do yeah. line up with Allison kind of in the middle of all of them. It, so, it all works out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you want to start talking about the one that we have in common, or should I just jump into it? Uh, you can jump into it. Okay. Well. I have since last week finished one one game known as mm-hmm. Murder by Numbers. I uh, am not quite finished, but I'm in the middle of the fourth case. I've been playing it. Uh, I've actually played it uh, last night after I was like, you know, I should probably just let my Animal Crossing out of the rest for a minute and play right. more Murder by Numbers. The last case is long. It is. Oh my gosh! I think I just got to be uh, like to be to level B. Oh yeah. But like, it took me so long. Yeah, the last case is like probably double the length of the cases that come before yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so so like playing through the game, I'm thinking I'm like, oh, this is a pr- this is a good length, and it's still a good length. But I'm just like, oh, you put a lot more into this last case for sure. Yeah. And having finished it, I'm going to say I really like the game, but I mm-hmm. think hopefully hopefully this makes sense. Let me know if it doesn't. Yeah. I think the story is good, but the plot is bad. Like I okay. think the moment to moment interactions between characters and stuff are good and like the little things that are happening and those little bits of writing are good, but the overall plot is extremely predictable and borderline bad yeah I, I see i haven't gotten to the end of it so i can't necessarily speak to all of that because right now they're still trying to do the uh like you know there's there's still going to be i think some reveals and things mm-hmm. but i think that the overarching mystery that they have throughout the in all the cases isn't quite as interesting as it could or should be like mm-hmm. I, I, it's not the the drive to get those answers isn't why I'm playing this game basically. Yeah, yeah, you're there for the characters, and they're for and, the characters, and, and the they're for the pit cross. Um, I think that the characters are strong enough that it doesn't necessarily hurt the game all that much, but it or really rather hurt. That that drive to play the game, I guess. Totally. But. Yeah. Like I was, I still really wanted to play the game because I was interested in what was going on and like, uh, yeah. Like the the mystery itself was never really the biggest draw. Like it was just more seeing the character interactions and how honor is written and her interactions with Detective Cross and all that kind of stuff was fun. Yeah. And like the whole third. Scout is the best oh, yeah, gaming Scout. robot for a while. I love, oh. <laughs> I love Scout. <laughs> I love Scout. I love especially that he has an arc, and that the arc is interesting. I'm hoping to finish Scout's memories, like all of them, because yeah. I S ranked all of the 
cases, and I know you had some issues with that. We'll get to that. Um, mm-hmm. But <laughs> um, I really did think that the third case was really interesting, though. Like again, yeah. for story, not for plot. Like the plot of that one right, wasn't that plot, interesting. Well, but, I feel like I figured that out like miles before they figured it out. It, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I like when the when the case resolved, I was like, wait, that's that's it? Because I I was like I was guessing that like from from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. The, it was like oh, as soon as this character is introduced, that seems what this is. And then yeah. everyone's surprised when that ends up being true. It's like, oh, right. really? Okay. Like, that's what I mean when I say plot, not matching up to story. Um, but, right. like, I thought that whole third case was some of the best handling of queer communities I've seen in a long yeah, time. Yeah, it was really was, good. Which was really interesting. Like, I, I, I th- yeah, I thought it was like, the, there's a moment where uh, Scout is questioning his or her gender. It, that was so good. <laughs> Which was really it's, interesting because Scout is a robot and the, the advice that Scout gets given is, you know, you can be whatever you want. You can be, if you feel more masculine, you can be a guy. If you feel more feminine, you can be a girl. If you don't feel like either, you don't have to be. You can be whatever you want. You're Scout. And, and, the, and the resolution is like, yeah, I am Scout. And it was very cute. Yeah. Uh, and he, and he, he's psyched about it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's 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 good. But you, yeah, you did encounter some fun S rank stuff, didn't you? Yeah. So my my biggest issues with this game are, uh, like they're not. I I feel like they're not necessarily that huge. It's just more of like, um, like it, the I I do want to get S rank on all of these cases, and the fact that I'm A rank on one is still kind of bugging me. Uh, so basically, I had a couple of issues with the save files in this game. Uh, first, uh, I was playing one of the Scouts Memories puzzles, and those are basically kind of a lot of side puzzles to uh, unlock little story bits. Um, so I was I was playing one, didn't really feel like finishing it, and I wanted to play another game. So mm-hmm. I decided to uh, just uh, exit out of the game and figured autosave would catch me that was yeah. a that was not that was not true and i went from being about uh i'd say about two-thirds of the way through the case to back right at the beginning of the case yeah. uh which was uh unfortunate um and then the se- and then the second thing that happened was i was playing through that case again and i apparently missed uh one of the puzzles and I just completely didn't see the puzzle. It didn't, and I couldn't, and um, that meant I got an A ranking. But apparently that puzzle, like, for the puzzles that you do, all of it is usually finding evidence. So usually you kind of need to do all the puzzles, mm-hmm. um, in the main game at least. Whereas this, it was just completely missable. Um, in my oldest save file, uh, I knew where it was. But since I had gotten past to that point where you looked for those items, it I couldn't go back. So I asked rank that I'd have to basically redo the entire case, which it, uh, which I is was, not arbitrary because you still have to do all those Picross puzzles, and some of those right. take a long time. Right, and that's one of those things where if 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 it was like if I could like just speed through the story, 
pick up that last one and then just be like, cool, I got it. Uh, S rank. Th- that would be one thing if I could just speed through it and get to the one pick cross I met. Uh, I missed, but uh, I'd have to redo the entire case, which I, I'll yeah. probably do some probably sooner than later because I, I it's like I'm weirdly frustrated by it and I want the final bits of story with Scout. But at the same time, uh, it's a big it, ask. It is a big ask. And it, it it's kind of frustrating that there's no way to go back or or even just like, here's the puzzles you missed. Yeah. You can like- do them. You can up your rank if you want. There's a lot of quality of life problems that I've had with the game. Um, yeah. Like, uh, again, overall, really like it. But, like, things like, um, like, you can't get to the options menu from, like, the visual novel parts. Yeah. Like, you, you have to wait until you're at, like, a quote-unquote gameplay part. Uh, there's no log option. So, like, if you want to go back and see previous there dialogue that you... There yeah, that you might have missed, or like, uh, like sometimes I was just like tapping through the, to the next dialogue, and it got to a choice, and I accidentally just picked the first choice because it happened so quickly that I was like, oh, I didn't even know that. Like, it just automatically brought me to the choice while I was clicking. So it's like, oh, okay. So like, it gets some of the visual novel stuff, quality of life stuff, just wrong. Uh, yeah, to the and, point and, where yeah, where it kind of impacts the gameplay a little bit. Yeah, and I think I think. I think that that's that's the bit that's it, it, like the visual novel quality of life, especially the the log. Like that's pretty standard for most visual novel type games. And, is that you can go back and receive dialogue if you accidentally skipped over it, or, and, or if you just want to read it again. And the fact that you can't, uh, and it's so easy to skip past dialogue, is extremely got to be frustrating. Yeah, and in your case. Um, because from the main menu, you can go back and play any case, which is fine. Yeah. And you have completed the case that was broken for you. That's fine. Yes. But there's no skip. Like that's very standard in a visual novel where you can like skip all the dialogue that you've already written or read so you can get to the new stuff. Uh, that's not an option here. So for you, if you did want to replay it and get your S rank, you'd have to go through all of it again, clicking through every moment. And which, review every single puzzle, which I. I really like most of these puzzles because they are genuinely challenging but doable. Oh, yeah. Like they're tough. They're tough. Like I, I'm glad it's not just me because I'm like, am I just bad at pit cross? Because these are hard. Oh, like, I they're, feel. They're ge- yeah. They're genuinely really hard, which is good because the sense of uh, satisfaction when completing them is really great. Totally. Um, but they're not necessarily nothing to go back and easily redo. Um, yeah. especially for this. And I feel like, I don't know, I feel like other games that have puzzle type, like discrete puzzles, uh, have had sort of elements to go back and get the ones that you missed. Like I'm just thinking of the professor Layton series where if you miss a puzzle and it, it disappears from the overworld, uh, or from the world, you can go to a specific area and there all of them are there. Like all the ones that you missed are playable. So you can still access all of that content, even if you missed it for whatever reason. And I'm yeah. like, why couldn't you have done that here? Yeah. And again, it is an indie game, so maybe they didn't have yeah. the resources. I don't know, <clears throat> but yeah, overall, right. murder by numbers. Like, good. I feel like that. Those, <laughs> I feel like all of these, 
like like we were talking about this earlier this week and mm-hmm. i uh i think you put it very succinctly like the my biggest problem with it is that i can't experience all the content like, yeah. right now and that's pro- that's a pretty good problem to have um with this game is just that i feel like the characters are also charming the like the stories the um individual moments are all just such like so fun and written well that i i just want to experience more yeah and agreed i i could easily see sequels for this and i'm i'm i am like please please murder my numbers team make more and it's ready for DLC with how the menus work. Yeah, like you could just, you could just add a new case, and that would probably work. I I would buy every case because I I I think the characters are like that's that's the thing is if these characters were annoying or not good, it, this game would be kind of a, a nightmare to play. Yeah, but I think the fact that like both of us are actively uh, fans of the characters it says it says a lot yeah uh there's only like one or two characters i didn't like but i think they were designed to be that way so yeah yeah they're characters that are specifically unlikable but you know that they're they're intended to be unlikable yeah fuck you ryan ryan sucks okay (laughs) fuck him ryan (laughs) anyways yeah murder by numbers is a good game. You should probably play it. It was pretty long. Um, I think I finished at around 18, 18 to 20 hours. To, yeah, to you get a lot out of it, especially for uh, an indie game. And and uh, since I bought it within the launch window, I had I had a sale, so I think I bought it for like just over $10, which yeah, that, that value proposition is pretty good. 50 cents an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you think, Pat? Are you going to play some Picross? Um, probably not. I, it's not that I don't, I mean, I think it looks good. Um, I just have so many things right now. I don't oh, think totally. it's going to make the cut oh, in yeah. the near future. Oh yeah. This is just one that popped up during, uh, one of the, uh, indie the segments. For, oh yeah, no, I know. It, it, and I saw it, it, it as a like, good time. this is the game that I need because yeah. I love the Ace Attorney games. Yeah, yeah I for love. sure. Uh, and Picross, I love, and it just looked. And then you have like a fun robot friend. I was like, "This is, yeah. this is everything." I, I think I remember you and I specifically lighting up our chat when that showed up. Yeah, we're like, "Hey, it looks so." Good. And so I, it, it's definitely not a game for everybody, especially since there's so many games to play for sure. But yeah, uh, I, I feel like it's for the, the specific people who uh, want this game. They really want this game. But yeah, fuck Ryan. Anyways, fuck Ryan. <laughs> we got we, we got news, y'all. Yeah. yeah. And not all of it is bad. No. No. Yeah. <laughs> Most of it. I mean, like for all the news that we don't say, there's probably an Im- like implication that there's bad news involved. But that's, that's yeah. true to life in general, probably. Yeah. yeah unfortunately. Yeah. 
Anyways. <laughs> what news do you want to talk about first? <laughs> the first story on our list is such a you story that I was going to let you take it away. No, it's fine. Um, how about you, you guys pick. You, you have the list open there, right? Uh, I do not. Oh, well, okay. I think that the top two items we have here, the Xbox Series X specs and PS5 stream with Mark Cerny are both two sides of the same coin. Yep. Uh, so, so it makes sense to talk about those. Xbox came first chronologically. Yeah, uh, they released that just basically as an update on their website, right? Um, and I don't know. It looks like a it looks like a PC. It looks like a very standard um, way to set up a computer. It, they revealed the CPU, or at least the mm-hmm. the the clock speed and stuff like that. They revealed the RAM, the hard drive, <laughs> the basically the GPU. Like it, it wasn't really that. Anything out of the ordinary. It was like, okay, so it's basically yeah. we're building a computer with these specs, and it seemed that's kind of always seemed like what their strategy is. I think the one thing, the use case thing that that I saw that they showed that was neat is they had a video demonstration of like you can suspend and resume. Basically, I, I get the impression it's like basically unlimited games, as many mm-hmm. games as your hard drive has on it. Mm-hmm. It'll store save states for wherever, whatever you're playing. So you can currently do that with like up to one game and like an app or two now on the one X, but for the series X, it'll be like, if you, you can play a game of whatever, like call of duty and then jump over to Ori and it'll literally be in the spot you left off. And then when you go back to call of duty, you'll be right in the same spot, which is cool. Although also for some of those, when you have to like sign into services, it's still going to break. Yeah. But Still, it's it, it's cool. It, that's a fine concession to make for the overall like service to work. Like if it if it works as as advertised, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I don't know if you want to dive into that, but then the PS5 stream happened, which is the Mark Cerny one, which was basically uh, detailing similar stuff. Like, but he was going more into the details of why they made the decisions they did and what influenced them, and ultimately what. Uh, what consequences will come from them? Like consequences in a positive way. Like we made these decisions. Yeah. This will be the outcome. Uh, and but, I th- think oh, he outlined that talk really well by saying it would have been a GDC talk. Yes, I think that was that was the perfect way to start that because it, for me, it 100 percent contextualized what the the whole stream yeah. was going to be. Though before the stream happened, they marketed it very poorly. Yes, they were, <laughs> that, that was, was my weird. biggest frustration like, with it. Yeah. I, I think that the idea of having like, oh, this is what what we would have talked about at GDC, great. But like, there are a lot. I I I, I was uh, on a conference call, so for the most part, I, I was I was kind of like had it on in the background or and mm-hmm. on mute but i saw the chat sometimes and like there are a lot of people that were like what the fuck is this like or this is so boring and it's like it's i i'd ima- it's definitely not something that was aimed at uh the general uh general public but i, I think a lot of people in the general public thought that it would be. Yeah, because basically the way it was announced was uh, Sony's Twitter was like, hey, we're having a stream tomorrow about the PS5. Like, we're going right. to share some details about the PS5. And everyone's like, ooh, game announcements? Ooh, like, are we going to get a date? Are we going to see the box? Blah, 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 blah. And, and like, there's none of that. Like, because it was such a vague um, tweet. It was just like, yeah, PS5 details tomorrow. Check it out. And yeah, like I said, the moment Mark Cerny said this was going to be a GDC talk, I was like, oh, fuck yes. 
this is exactly what I want, but I don't think that meant anything to like 95% of the chat that was there. When I wasn't watching it. So that was part of my frustration when we were talking about it was I was basically just getting it from um, you and Andre, like talking about the stuff. Mm. And there was a point at which it was when you were talking about the ear scanning stuff that I was like, you know what? Fuck this. (laughs) But I also didn't have that context as it being a GDC talk. And I really wish that on Twitter they had said, Hey, we're going to be delivering the GDC talk that we were that we had planned yeah. with Mark Cerny today at blah blah blah, and then it would have been like, okay, expectations set. Uh, so yeah, it's just it was poor. Yeah, but it's in yeah. in Sony's defense, that talk was significantly better than the technical Series X talk that Xbox did, which oh, they yeah. didn't really market at all. So I don't think I I don't want to be too hard on them for. It just being a pretty normal, like, let's stream and do a round table for a little bit thing. But I tuned into that for like 10 minutes and it was impossible to watch. Yeah, it wasn't even impossible to watch because it was like techie. It was just the presentation was so dry and yeah, not totally not providing any details at all. <laughs> like they were obfuscating the tech stuff, too. And at one point they were like. We're going to go we're going to we're going to bring in now um, this person who has worked with the government of South Carolina before. Um, <laughs> da, 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 da. And I was like, don't fucking care. Turning this off. This is <laughs> at least Mark Cerny's stream was Mark Cerny, who is a guy that is enjoyable to listen to. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. Um, so two things about the Sony side, like I don't think there's that much to be said about the Xbox side, but I'm going to swing back around to it um, with the talk they had. For one, it being a GDC talk, I've been to GDC before, um, and it is not a fan event. Like they specifically right. have barriers in place for it not to be a, a fan event. Like if yeah. when I had to apply for an, for a pass, because yes, you have to pay the money, but you also have to be approved as someone who can go to GDC. You have to prove that you're in the industry uh, and like that you've released or you've worked in the industry or you're going to be working in the industry. Um, so that's like the yeah. first barrier to entry, and then there's a couple others that whatever doesn't matter. Um, so that's why, yeah, not a fan event. If you're going to talks at GDC, you're getting deep into like programming, you're getting deep into actual marketing, like into all the like audio design, into yeah. whatever that actually goes into like it's technical talks. It's not marketing at all. Um, like people are like, oh, I want to go to GDC and go to the 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 show floor, like you would at a PAX or an E3. It has a show floor, but like I would say, five percent of that is playable games, and that's usually prototypes. The rest of it is like, oh, here's Capcom Vancouver with a recruiter here. You can bring them your resume and talk to them about what it's like to work at the studio. Like it's not a fan event. Uh, so again, like when he was like, oh, this is a GDC talk, it sets that expectation in my mind, Absolutely. where where you yeah. think, okay, this is yeah. this is like when I went to see the talk from uh, the dude who made all the music for Peggle and how they designed the music to be interacting with the pegs and here was the programming behind it. Like I was, yeah. I was like, okay, cool. I'm in that mindset. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and as soon as you said that when we were talking about it, I was like, well, why didn't they say that they in really, the tweet? They really, really, yeah. they really should at have. Because like, yeah. it makes sense. Because like the reception it to it was... it so much. Cause because... The, Oh, the reception yeah. was toxic. Like people it were was. going in and like editing Mark Cerny's Wikipedia page to say really shitty things about him. Well, and that's and just toxic anyway. I got frustrated when we were talking about it, but I would never have vented that into a public space or at Mark Cerny. Like, 
fuck off to yeah. people yeah. doing that. That's like, shitty. It, it doesn't make any sense. But yeah. But the the second part that I was gonna say is the information that came out of that stream was actually really fucking cool. Um, sure. Like the the reason I highlighted that the Xbox Series X is basically just a PC. Um, in the way it's functioning and the way they have everything designed is because Sony has specifically made some stuff that is decidedly not like a PC, which is actually what makes me more interested in the PS5 than the Xbox Series X right now. Because uh, I won't, I'll try not to get too deep into the details, but he basically talked about how um, we all, we've all known about the hard drive and how it's going to be an NVMe SSD, like how it's fast and it's going to eliminate load times and stuff like that. That's that's been a thing that's been kind of shown in prototypes and rumors for probably a year now, I think, maybe mm-hmm. a little less. Yeah. But it started with that leaked Spider-Man thing that came out right. of some GDC talk or something, I don't remember. Um, but the thing he was talking about that's really cool is the fact that the hard drive is almost acting as RAM at some part, at some points, because it's so fast. And the way they are implementing that with like... Uh, I'm not going again. Not getting into details. I want to talk about the buses and the I/O like threading and stuff like that. But basically, you can load stuff that's going on around you like you would with RAM, but it's dynamic because it's so fast. Which means it takes a lot of pressure off of the GPU. It takes a lot of pressure off of RAM itself, so they can actually start reallocating all that stuff for different reasons. And it means they can actually change game design, which is really like one of the biggest takeaways is that limitations have been in place for a really long time because of traditional design because you have a limited amount of memory like 16 gigs of memory we'll say in your computer and that's where games right now are loading all of their assets so if you're seeing a load screen in a video game it's because it's loading all the shit it can into memory so that when you load into the game it's just there it's not loading it from the hard drive which can be slow and um, inconsistent depending on hard drive speeds and where it lives on the actual platter, stuff like that, uh, RAM is much more quickly accessible. And so by making the hard drive basically really fast RAM, like there's no more limitations. So that stuff is really fucking cool. I do wonder how much it's going to have a, like, because like the PS3 was pretty far beyond the 360 in terms of its um, architecture and like, the things you could do with it. Um, And I understand that this is still like x86 architecture and it's not like, it's not as large of a difference from like a CPU perspective Mm -hmm. as the PS3 to the the 360. But I do wonder some, a a bit if they're going to run into a situation where like, again, the first party stuff that they're making is some of the coolest stuff you can play because it's taking advantage of all of these unique technical elements of the system, but then it's still going to be expensive and not end up doing much for third party games at the end of the day and kind of be like somewhat underutilized. Um, It's a different time now. So I'm not saying I'm not going to go and say like, Oh, it's just going to be like the PS three all over again. Mm -hmm. Cause that's clearly not the case, but um, it's an interesting thing to think about. I think. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes along for free. Like, I think it's it's just going to see inherent benefits. I don't think it's something sure. you're going to need to design around. I think it's you can take advantage of it now. Like, it's the kind of thing where if you have it in mind, you can change your design philosophy from a programming point of view or from a game design point of view. Uh, but I don't think 
like if people are designing stuff for the Series X and it does not have those capabilities, uh, I think you'll still get benefits from the fact that they're using that at their OS level, at their like platform level, that might sure. make it better just in terms of how fast it responds. Uh, but I don't think you're going to see the same issues that you had of making one version for 360, one version for PS3, because they're basically the same architecture otherwise. This, right. is, this is more about like how it's reading from the actual hard drive and RAM and stuff like that. So yeah, it's yeah. it's cool. I think it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how the next generation pans out. From a like, it certainly felt for a long time like it was just going to be from. And I've been cynical about it, but from a cynical perspective of like, oh, we're all going to buy five hundred dollar boxes <laughs> to eliminate load times. Yay! Uh, are we though? Um, but. Uh, well, yeah, who knows? <laughs> um, but, but, but it's starting to seem more now like both companies are taking interesting approaches and are doing what I'm, what I want to see happen is for them to continue to diverge and just deliver two different products. Like yeah. it's great if Microsoft just makes a really powerful PC that's easier to get and more accessible than having a gaming PC that you can stick next to your television and play really, really amazing traditional kinds of games on that system and use Game Pass to do it with a relatively low cost, all things considered. And it's great if Sony goes into a more experimental direction and you're getting more ambitious first-party titles that is also a place where you can play um, the same kind of games that you can play on Xbox too. Well, uh, to, to that That would point, be cool to me. To that point, what I think is more interesting about the PS5 is that it's not so much that it's like new tech that it's all this like it's it's not really new tech it's just that right. they're they're approaching it from a different angle and if it works and if it's provable to work and if it is a demonstrable benefit i think that's something that we can see trickle down into pc design i think that's something we can see trickle down into like uh, server architecture we can see that going on in like yeah like maybe even the the Series X will start doing some, like, kind of borrowing sure. some of those ideas and putting that oh, into yeah. firmware. So I think that's the interesting part of the Sony one for me is that we might actually be seeing benefits outside of the PS5 because they yeah, are. That's really cool. Yeah, because they're taking the time to reassess how we're using the hardware that we have and how we can make it better. And I think mm-hmm. that's awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's. The, the rest of the presentation was cool too. The audio stuff, like you were talking about the ear thing. The, what, it is the, cool too. The, I don't the, mean to say that's not. The thing they were talking about was super fucking cool. But yeah, yeah I, I think he kind of threw that out there as like a, oh, maybe we could even do this as like a throwaway thing. And everyone's like, fucking hell, Sony's asking for our ears. <laughs> and when I was when I was frustrated with it, it had nothing to do with the security concern. I don't care. They can take a picture of my ear. Like you said, it's just like I use my face to unlock my phone. Yeah. Um, right, yeah. But but it was more just the like, it was why a- are we this far out in the fucking weeds? We don't even know when the thing's coming or how much it costs. Yeah, yeah. Really they haven't even said there'll be a Spider-Man on it. And as somebody that was watching it that doesn't necessarily have the same level of uh, technical knowledge as you, Alex, is definitely like you're watching it. You're like, okay, I don't really understand what's going on. And then Mark Cerny is like, maybe you could send us pictures of your ears. And you're like, what? (laughs) If you weren't following. (laughs) I'm not interested in your fetishes, Mark. (laughs) It's like, I understand what that means. But (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't like like like. Can like, you say it one more time? Like I think I think if that was said in a room of developers at GDC, there would have been laughs. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think on the stream where people were already frustrated, it got kind of pulled into a weird direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's sure. it's the type of thing where like <laughs> at, at GDC, you're like, okay, cool. At like with people who don't know the technical aspects of it and are like, <laughs> when are we going to find like actual information about how we're going to use the PlayStation five? And then you hear like, Hey, if you want to, you can send us pictures of your ears. <laughs> and, and I even understand that's actually one element of the technical stuff that I do understand. Cause I do have a educational background in like sound design and, the way that your ears that, that ears work yeah, and stuff. It's psychoacoustics. Yeah, it totally makes sense. <laughs> like I understood exactly why they would say that off the bat, but I was also like <laughs> my fucking PlayStation headphones sound fine. I had just come off of finishing Modern Warfare as well, which has some of the best sound design in any game maybe ever made. So I had just come out of playing that with my <laughs> nice Logitech headphones and uh-huh. I was like, that sounds fine. It, you don't need more. It sounds amazing already. <laughs> But if you, if that without Why are that, we talking they, about this? They, they, but they want pictures of your ears. <laughs> yeah, I, but add to my collection. So I think that's an interesting point, though, Pat. That's something I've been saying for almost since the PS3, um, which is that, like, in terms of visual fidelity, we've kind of been hit, we've hit a peak for a while that we haven't really surpassed in many years. Like and oh, yeah. and one could yeah. say audio is similar. Like they are making some innovations with audio and how it's like they're saying it's similar to ray tracing and that you'll be able to get realistic things bouncing off of walls and stuff like that, which is cool. That's something I was trying to do in university, but it's fucking hard. And CPUs back then weren't up for it. Right. Um, but like, uh, actually, one of my prototypes was a game without visuals that very heavily took part. It like made that instead of like rendering stuff with GPU, I was rendering audio with GPU. And almost had it working, but I didn't have time. So um, the fact that they're dedicating a little a chip to it, and that, that will actually be like something that developers can use—that's so that's super fucking cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, but still, is it going to be an exponential difference from the audio you're used to? Mm, maybe not, but it does yeah, give it does give more options. But I, my issue with it is that if that chip adds another, and I know that this is very reductive and not how it works, so don't don't take don't, <laughs> don't take add, too hard to task. Like, uh, but if that chip provides a marginal difference that is only really noticeable to extreme audiophiles who also understand what the programming is doing, yeah. and the system then costs an extra forty dollars yeah. because that chip is in there, it's like. I don't know about this. That's what, uh, yeah, see, that's, what, what I was, that's what I was thinking when I was I, I was watching and I was like reading up on the specs for uh Series X and then also watching some of this PS5 stuff is as somebody that like my my currently played system right now is the Switch, so clearly the strongest graphics graphical fidelity is not what I'm after. But like I, it, do I necessarily want to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars uh, and make it maybe my most expensive uh, console purchase uh, possibly because of um, incremental dis- uh, in- incremental uh, advances that I don't necessarily care about. And so, it's, it's a weird value proposition, I think. Yep. And I see what you're saying. And I think 
one of the things that inherently comes along with it that they didn't really draw attention to, because I think if you're technical, you are already picking up on the fact that it's doing this, is that it's taking the audio rendering off of the CPU. So um, anything that would normally be processed by the CPU, that was like if you're dedicating 10% of your CPU cycles to audio, that's 10% of cycles that are now freed up that can be used for AI, that can be used for, I don't know, like whatever they want now. Like they have 10% more headroom because they're moving all of that sure. audio stuff onto a separate chip, much like how um, they moved the streaming stuff onto a separate chip on the PS4. So that wasn't impacting your actual game use. Uh, so yeah. I think that's actually probably what it's going to more uh, amount to in reality. If it was purely just for making the audio nicer, like if it was just like a, a layer on top of what it was already happening on the CPU, I 100% agree with you. But I think it is actually of benefit because it is offloading yeah. all, all of that. that. And, yeah, I and think it, so much of it just needs to be seen in motion, really. Right, and I sense. think that there needs to... I mean, th- this isn't what that talk was at all, but uh, when they do uh, end up doing something that's more consumer-focused or consumer-driven... Uh, is kind of showing, hey, average person, you might not hear the difference, but here is how it would improve X, or this is why it matters to you. Um, yeah. And just kind of showing that to everybody. Yeah. And but, I guess which, you haven't seen that yet, but I mean. Again, I think that yeah. comes back to the fact that it's a GDC talk. And I think right. oh, yeah. they're not right. intending that to be like, okay, I'm going to. Not, I don't mean this in like a reductive or rude way, but like they're not going to dumb it down for, at a GDC right. talk. Like they're not going to make it into like they're going to go way lower level than yeah. than what you would expect from a high level uh, marketing pitch. I think at the end of the day, though, the part that still irks me and that I'm just curious to see how they handle it is when they finally do have that more marketing focused presentation for consumers and press and stuff, and they say with the unparalleled power of the PlayStation five, <laughs> we're going to deliver to you an incredible experience in Sony Santa Monica's God of war two. And then they roll a gameplay trailer and it looks like God of war one with some incremental increase improvements. And then at the end of the presentation, that console costs $500. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be like, why the fuck am I buying a new box? If just give me another God of war that looks like the last one I played and Charge me sixty dollars for it, yep. like which again, that's, <laughs> the last God of War looked incredible. That, that's kind on of my base level PS4. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at when I said like visuals are good now. Like even yeah. at the end of the PS3, visuals were good then. The yeah. thing that's going to set all of these apart, which I think is is still to come. Like we need to see the services. We need to see like you were saying, Pat, the infinite um, uh, suspended applications. We need to see more stuff like that that actually makes the system itself a value proposition on top of what we already have. And, I think the reason that I've been more um, comfortable with Microsoft's marketing is because they have been like pretty early on in this, in all of this last year, you you had Phil Spencer saying like, Hey, you're going to be able to play every Microsoft exclusive into the 2020s on your Xbox one X. Yeah, exactly. You're going to be fine. Like if you want to kick it up a notch, you'll be able to play it on a series X, but like, I will be able to play Senua's Saga when it comes out, whether or not I buy a Series X. It maybe won't look as quite as good. It may not run at 60 frames per second in 4K, but that game is going to be playable on more than just the newest console. And And that is exactly the thing that I wanted to hear from both of them, because it's totally fine to release a luxury product that improves your experience, but it's an it feels like an artificial gate to say well, because we made the graphics 10% better, it's not going to work on PS4 anymore. When I'm like, 
when I like don't give a fuck about God of War looking 10% better. Um, so it's so much of it is dependent on like, like you said, value proposition and what it actually means. If it means that for Spider-Man, they can make the game world, you know, whatever, 40% closer to it being an actual New York city. That sounds more like something that's worth it to me. Like if, if, if they're able to start increasing, like, the size and scope and depth of the experience. Cool. And I think the thing that is um, even more, I know I was sort of talking to you, Alex, a little bit about like little ideas, like things like weather and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. An even bigger thing for me is like, no one has ever made an open world. Like Red Dead Redemption two is like in some ways a pinnacle of open worlds. So, I mean, say what you will about the gameplay and the story or whatever it's like you fall, fall where you may on that. But if you spend some time with that game, you start to see that like, Holy shit, we can do this now. It is absolutely enormous in scope, mm-hmm. gorgeous, like details down to a can of beans sitting in a house that you'll never go into unless you go looking for it. Like it is, it is the most realized, incredible open world ever made. It also took like one of the most well-funded studios in the world, 10 years of hell to make it. And so if somehow these tools can start one, making it more possible for AAA developers to do this kind of stuff without destroying themselves and two, make, I want to see like, I like Red Dead 2, but I would much rather see like a small indie studio have the ability to make something like that without needing hundreds of people and tens of thousands of man hours. Yep. And so that's the other thing. That's the other side of it that I don't understand, but I would love to see the tools evolve in a way where that becomes more possible. Yeah. And I was actually going to say like, it will make that easier for AAA developers, but I think the bigger point is that it'll make it possible for indie developers. Yeah. Like, and that's really cool because like, um, think of a game like the division, the original division uh, where you had New York and, if you were walking around the streets, the streets were very well rendered. But if you were going into buildings, it usually involved like a slight load or like, you know, it right. was a separate instance or whatever. With the way that it's working with how Sony's describing, less so with how Microsoft's describing, and that's probably how they're able to keep kind of the backwards compatibility. But with how Sony's describing, it's possible that like you would just be able to walk into any building and there would be fully simulated stuff in there that is just dynamically loading from the hard drive as though it were RAM. Which yeah. that's for me what would make the case that it like maybe you could have that on the older console, but every time you walk into the one of those buildings, there's forty seconds of load. And it's like, well, at some point if you're spending sixty percent of your time waiting for loading, it's totally. worth going to the new console. Well, right. there's things like I wanna see a game that has a world with the depth and scope of something like a Red Dead or a GTA five. Um Yeah really more specifically a red dead, but that isn't about like killing thousands of people. Like I want to see the indie studio that like makes a private detective RPG where you can play the whole game without ever holding a gun, you know, that's set in a huge lush, vibrant city that has tons of life and things like that. And that's just not something that you're going to get out of major studios and so I would love to see indies empowered to be able to make that kind of stuff man like it's like you can do animal crossing but it's in it's in New York City so you're the mayor <laughs> totally. of New York City but animals exactly yes oh yeah anyways we can stop talking about tech for one, for now if you guys want <laughs> <laughs> 
think I think the rest of our stories will be relatively light. Um, We have here in the notes "fuck GameStop," which I think we can all agree with. I think. Uh, I don't know if we need to dive into the details. They've been. You just look up some tweets from Jason Schreier. He's been really good at reporting on Uh, it. Jason Schreier, within Um, the week of let's say March fifteenth ish, somewhere around there, you'll find it. it, Basically, GameStop. during the pandemic, everything they've been saying that they are how do they f- say a necessary essential essen- retail essential, essential yeah. resource or whatever yeah retail yeah retail. because you can only be the only stores that can be open in lockdowns are essential stores like drugstores and grocery stores and that's what that means is drugstores and grocery stores it does not mean like video games. it's essential to have clothes that's not what that means yeah <laughs> uh, it's, it means it's, you can go to your drugstore and get your prescriptions profoundly dumb yeah. That was stupid, and then they were asking um, employees to uh, oh, use yeah. PTO or file for unemployment or something. Yeah. I think was like the, and it just awful. And like, I think it just outlines. I know we had this conversation a little bit with uh, with Sam because he seemed like more surprised about it, but I think it just outlines that like the system in the United States is GameStop does not care about the people that work in their stores at all. They never have. They never will. You are numbers on a spreadsheet. They do not care about you. And it's terrible um, and baked into the system. And you would hope that in times like these, it allows us to really see that so that we can stop letting those kinds of organizations like exist uh, or at least force them to change. We're going to be seeing a lot of that kind of restructuring and assessment in the next coming months because uh, yeah. it's not going to get better from here. Nope. Not, not immediately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, support your local game stores as much as you can. Yeah. Uh, the ones oh, yeah. that, the one, the one that I have near me um, was, uh, I went there to pick up the show on Wednesday, I think it was. And, they were gloved up and had like sanitation stuff at the ready and they had a, a, like they had the line directed so that no one could be within. I was the only person in the store, but no one could be within six feet of each other and stuff. And it was, it was very well handled. Um, so yeah, there are places you're going to be able to go buy games that are better than GameStop. <laughs> right. Yeah. And especially in these uncertain, ridiculous times, um, supporting local businesses as much as you can is great. Um, even if it's just like buying a gift card for later, uh, mm-hmm. it's 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 very helpful. Like I uh, I haven't done this yet, but uh, one of my local game stores uh, is do is um, starting to do local deliveries uh, for free, and um, you can you can buy some like here's a you can buy like a grab bag of uh, um, graphic novels or something like that. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, it's it, just do what you can to support your local game stores. GameStop is not one of them. Agreed. Yeah. And it sucks for the people who work at GameStop yeah. and rely on the income that they get there. So I don't want to minimize that. Like it's, it's hard cause you should support local businesses, but you also have to remember that you can't do the thing that GameStop does. You have to remember that the people that work at GameStop are people and that they also have needs and financial needs and like, it's it sucks for them to not have them, but if it would be great if we could just make more local game stores so that all of those people could work at better employers. Uh, so yeah. Um, 
in cooler uh related to the the current state of the um pandemic news over 6.2 million concurrent steam users last saturday yeah uh which is a re- all-time record right i think so yep all-time concurrent. i think that's what the with the story. Yeah. All time concurrent record. I saw something about how CSGO was the number one played. It had over a million. Uh, yep. CS, CSGO was, was up there. Crazy. PUBG was up there. Dota two was up there. Rainbow six siege was up there. GTA five was up there. So the usual suspects. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, it's interesting given how popular, um, the, the stuff that is available through the battle net launcher, whether it's overwatch or modern warfare or wow classic or whatever, if you like add those numbers to the steam numbers, cause I would assume that that's the, the second highest chunk of people who mm-hmm. would have been playing games. You got to figure that you're starting to, to hit that 10 million concurrence playing online video games at once. And if you add in like league of legends, geez, uh, yeah, it's pretty wild. Not surprising though. No. Uh, and it's obviously a terrible circumstance that has led us to this, but, um, at least it's good that video games exist. I'm so glad video games exist right now. <laughs> At least oh it's good gosh. that video games exist. You're right. Well, I mean, I say that because like I have friends, um, like <laughs> one of my friends from high school who moved here and we hilariously still have not like gotten together um, to, to meet up since they moved here. But I think they don't uh, play a lot of video games. Last I knew they, they didn't. And we were talking the other day and they were like, I don't know what to do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, totally. For me, it's like this. I've been training for this my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> I've been building a catalog for the last 10 years of my employed life of games to play that I should go back and touch. Uh, so it's fine. This can just be normal now. Um, at least in terms of the staying inside part, I don't want the people dying part to be normal, mm. but uh yeah. The but uh, but yeah, it, it's 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 great that it exists and clearly people are taking advantage of it. And maybe some people will start to find that they might like games more uh, who normally would turn their nose up at them. So, yeah. Yeah. And then for what it's worth, for those who. Um, who aren't into games, one, why are you listening to this podcast? Two, yeah. um, at least there's the, uh, what's it, the 24, 24 and 48. If you guys are familiar with that, there's that whole movement. You can find it on Twitter. It's no. where people are basically saying, oh, like, like read 24 chapters in 48 hours. So read a bunch of books. Like, mm. like yeah. so people are basically, yeah, having, and that stuff's good yeah. too, obviously. But, yeah. but, I mean, but yeah. watching a bunch of movies and, yeah, there's home fitness stuff you can do, and but so there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff you can do. Point being, stay the fuck home <laughs> as much Seriously. as you possibly can. Oh my gosh, stay home and also, but also like if if you can, um, like I saw uh, I, my partner and I are big fans of Josh Sawyer over at Obsidian Entertainment. Mm. Um, he uh, he is doing um, bike rides. And people like got in his mentions and were like, "How this is so irresponsible for you to be out and about?" And he was like, "Okay." <laughs> I'm going to stop you right there uh, and linked like the resources that specifically talk about in a lot of lockdown procedures in European countries. They talk about how you can get outside and be active outdoors during a situation like this. And it just means you just have to be take precautions. That means 
by the way, being outside, not going out. Uh, yeah, that means going on a solo bike ride where you are not getting close to people and you're not touching services. You ride, you ride your route and then go home. Um, yeah. that means like going for a walk where you walk around your block and you do not interact with people or touch anything. So like, I'm not saying you should stay home as much as possible comp- as, as opposed to like going to a bar, but you, you can stay active still yeah. and enjoy like outside and stuff. Yeah. Just be, co- uh, be cognizant. Exactly. Yeah. That's the, key. yeah. And also, I mean, uh, I've, I've yesterday got a couple things delivered to me. Um, and a, like you can still manage like some, like a, as far as you can, stay away from people while they deliver you food. Uh, and I, I also got alcohol delivered to me, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the necessities. Um, but also, uh, just make sure to tip people well, because they're going out and in all of this. So, Oh yeah. So I definitely upped my tipping game, uh, yesterday when I got those delivered, cause I want people to at least, yeah. at least if you have to go outside in the, and do the whole uh, gig economy delivery thing. At least, hopefully, you get a decent amount of money from it. Yeah, one would hope. Yeah. All right. Um, so, kind of speaking of, we'll pivot to this, and then we have a couple more things. Um, speaking of uh, of of it being cool, video games exist. So, one of the many uh, sport casualties of this whole thing has been formula one um which should be a casualty of this as much as i love formula one it is uh a circus of folks from all over europe and the world traveling all over the world for nine months just kind of uh carrying whatever diseases they have with them so it is a it is a bad uh a bad thing it's like it's like like national sports are, it's good that they're getting canceled. This is like international, a specific group of people traveling all over the world. Um, anyway, uh, one thing that they're doing that I kind of was hoping they would do that. I think a lot of people suggested is they're doing some virtual grand prix using the Codemasters formula one game, yep. which, is cool. which is, um, not like there are more semi racers that exist but the Codemasters F1 games are quite simmy. Um, they're for in like I would say they are more true to life than even something like a Forza. Um, mm. They're not quite all the way into iRacing territory, but they're they're close. Um, and if you play with you know a full rig, which is what they're doing, it gets pretty. You a good Formula One driver will do well. Um, and so they're taking the opportunity to do a lot of fun stuff too. Like um, it's not all they're not like forcing drivers to do it. So like, I don't know that Lewis Hamilton is participating, but it's a lot of the younger drivers. And then they have a lot of like, um, past drivers who might be retired fun surprises for like, I assume they're going to do some fun stuff, like have the team principals do some races and stuff. The guys who are usually coaches, um, I should say, uh, the, uh, the people who are usually coaches cause they're also women who are team principals. Mm-hmm. Um, that stuff will be really fun. Uh, I think to see and um, hopefully they'll get some like there's a there's a big push in general in Formula One right now to have uh, more women driving in the sport. Mm-hmm. They have a whole um, division called Formula W that is 
all women. Um, the point of which is to specifically the only reason that there aren't more women drivers in formula one is because of how patriarchal motorsports are. Um, it has nothing to do with like talent or ability. Um, and so it's just that women aren't generally given the same opportunities. So anyway, Formula W is a chance for women to gain points on the license you need to uh, become a Formula One driver. And I think it would be cool if they had some of the drivers from that series in on this stuff, too. There's just a lot of different ways they can take it. Uh, and they're going to be live streaming all of it on like YouTube and F1.com and stuff. So keep an eye out. I think it's tomorrow at some time. So uh, it's time zone dependent. So I don't want to say a time. Yeah. Uh, I, I would love to see that, especially if for you had mentioned before we started recording that there's, you know, there's the younger guys who train on this, this game or probably this game or like yep. BMNG or whatever, whatever they want. Um, yeah. uh, like they're used to it. They, they turn off all of the assists, but these, the older fellows who maybe have, or ladies, but the people who have never played the game before and have never interacted with it, it's going to be fun seeing those kinds of people just playing a game and seeing how they react. Yeah. So I think they're, they're doing a, um, I have the schedule up now at, at 1500 GMT today on Saturday, 21st of March, which may be after you hear this, I'm not sure. Um, they're doing a like rewatch of the 2016 Brazil Grand Prix. Um, and then uh, tomorrow at 1800 GMT, they're doing two quarter length races in what they're calling hashtag not the bod GP. Um, <laughs> so that'll be the virtual, um, the first of the virtual ones, I think. Um, or actually, I can't even tell. It almost looks like this is RC cars, actually, <laughs> which would be very funny. Um, and then uh, <laughs> tomorrow at at uh, at at twenty hundred uh, GMT, they're doing the the virtual Bahrain Grand Prix. So cool. all of that should be fun. Um, I hope they expand on this as the season continues because so far they've pushed it back to June, but it's probably just going to get canceled outright. Yeah, because um, I don't think things are going to be much better in June. Nope. Um. Let's see. We have a couple of other little things. Uh, Team Fight Tactics is out on mobile now, which is Yay. cool. Yeah, I played a little bit and then fell asleep in the middle of it last <laughs> night, but only because I was in bed going to sleep, not not because it was boring. That's I actually think I might have won the game I was playing if I had been able to stay awake. But uh, TFT is cool. It's a nice alternative to Underlords. I like the way that those games have kind of diverged enough that they're both unique in their own thing. Um. And uh, IGN did one of their re-reviews. They did this with No Man's Sky uh, not too long ago, which is a smart way to handle service games, and gave Sea of Thieves an 8.0. What, um, what, what did they originally give Sea of Thieves, do you know? I don't know off the top of my head. I think it was like a 7-something. Uh, yeah, I think we're both... Yeah, it was a 7. Yeah. Um and I don't know. That seems like uh, that seems like a good score. Sea of Thieves is one of those games that I really wish I played more of, because um, I love the act of playing that game. It feels so like so much fun to play, but it only gets you so far to play it solo. Mm. Um, and I have had a couple of experiences with strangers where I've had fun, but it's just not. I don't know. 
I, I wish and I, and it sucks because I actually know some people who would love it, but unfortunately they're like they look at it and they're like, oh, it's a cartoon pirate game where you don't get any there's nothing to get, so you don't get better guns, so why would I play? And so totally. that's unfortunate. Uh but yeah, I don't know. Play Sea of Thieves. It's on Game Pass. Buy one the Game Pass. Celebrate Sea of Thieves. It's another one of it's another great game for the times we're in right now because you can make it super, super, super relaxing and chill or very, very stressful and hard, depending on how you want to play it. Um, and then we had the there was a Nintendo Indies. Yeah. Anybody well. else check that out? I, I did not. Wa- I did not watch it. I watched the archive of it. Um, OK. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think personally it was not necessarily the most interesting of them. There's a lot of games that looked pretty good, but not necessarily must plays for me. Um, the couple ones uh, that uh, did hit for me that I, I'm, I'm interested in is there's a game called Baldo, which is the Studio Ghibli cool. kind of Nino Kuni looking mm-hmm. uh, RPG. So I'm cool. interested and uh, interested to see how that is, especially since it's more of like an action RPG. So um, they said action RPG. It looked very Zelda like to me. Yeah. But maybe there's more ARPG stuff. Not that Zelda isn't an action RPG, but right. But it's, it's that kind of action. No. RPG. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So I'm interested to see how that all plays out. Um, there's also Summer in Mara, which is kind of like life to me. Uh, grow like explore an island and go on a boat. But also you're uh, doing uh, farming and stuff. So it looked it looked very like another chill game in that. Um, yeah, and that team said, "I gotta, I gotta double check who it's. They're called Cheapig SLU." Yeah, um, and they talked about how they make games about farming. Um, it looks like they have a few prior games that look kind of interesting. Um, so, but that one was very pretty. It looked kind of, it reminded me kind of like a, my time at Porsche, but less, I find my time at Porsche to be extremely obnoxious and I cannot get into it. Like, I don't like the tone of that game at all. Um, and then there was a bunch of fuckery around that developer for a while too. So, um, I don't have any problems kind of dunking on that game. Uh, and my, and summer and Mara looked like a much more pretty, um, enjoyable thing like that. Um, I'm also excited that Swery's The Good Life is going to Switch. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking forward to that game, and since the Switch is kind of my is is definitely my preferred console right now, it's like very excited about that. Um, yeah, and there's just a lot of other good. Oh, and they uh, the their one shadow drop was Exit the Gungeon, which is the new Enter the Gungeon uh, thing. So I'll probably yeah. pick that up because I like Enter the Gungeon quite a bit. Uh, is it, was there anything that stood out to you, Pat, that I didn't mention? I'm actually excited now for that. The last campfire game. That looks Um, pretty cool. Yeah. That's the new hello games title. Um, they originally announced it last year and it was pitched as not, it is not a Sean Murray game. (laughs) Um, it is, it is a game that is made by a, uh, another team. That's not the no man's sky team. That's like kind of within that team that broke off to make this sort of smaller, narrative experience. Um, and when they first showed it last year, I was kind of like, eh, it looks like it's very much a short, like brothers kind of go from point A to point B and get the story. But, um, this trailer that they showed for it this time was much more, 
um, emotive and the tone seemed a lot more clear. It seems like it's going to be a very emotional game. And um, I think it's more puzzle focused than I initially thought from that trailer. last yeah. year. Um, it made it seem very much like not so much puzzles, just like gates between the narrative. But this, this trailer made it look more like you're actually solving puzzles to do things. Um, so I think that one looks it's actually on my radar now um, as a big fan of hollow games past output. I'm excited to see that it looks more interesting. That was kind of it though. Um, I thought that Baldo game looked neat too. I thought it was interesting to see how many um, European studios mm-hmm. they were, they, they highlighted in this stream, which was cool. Um, and yeah, uh, there was one other game that I can't remember now. Um, that was earlier on. That was also kind of a, a team, a European team had a kind of striking art style um early in the thing hang on are you talking about i am dead no although that looks very cool that looks really interesting (laughs) yeah and 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 just the the nintendo like hearing the nintendo direct like i am dead is coming to (laughs) nintendo switch (laughs) yeah um i'm not sure which one i'm thinking of yeah uh, but there was some cool stuff. It's worth going to check it out. I think some little things too, like sky is coming to switch. That seems like a much better yeah. platform than mobile for that game. Uh, Dicey Dungeons um, is coming to switch as well. Oh, cool. Which means that hopefully a phone version is not far behind. <laughs> That'd be good. Um, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, that quantum league game oh, is interesting. That's one of those games where I don't think I'll be any good at that game, but I am so interested to see high level gameplay of it. Yeah, I played it some at PAX. I don't think that it's super cool, but it is so hard to wrap your head. Have you seen this game, Alex? Which one? Quantum League? No. It is a game where you're you. It's a one V one shooter and it's round based and you're like ghost from the previous round, whatever you did in the previous round does their loop that you set mm. in future rounds. Interesting. It's very cool, but when you try to conceptualize how you could use that strategically, it doesn't make sense. It makes it just seem like the the that just means they're like hazards. Um was it was it Super Time Force that kind of did that last gen? Might have been. I can't remember. Um but it, it's it's a it's a weird game. I'm excited to see people who are good at it play it yeah. so I can understand why how it's supposed to work. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't. When game. I played it, it was like, okay, it's like one v one gunfights. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, now it's I have to avoid the spot I went before. It's a game that I would love to see people play. I don't know if I'll pick it up because I'm like I am almost certainly going to be terrible at it. I'm totally going to play it on PC soon, <laughs> but I do I do think I'll be bad at it. Yeah, I, a PC is probably the the way to play it, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I, Sounds I'm cool. pretty sure you can, I don't know if it's, it's not out in early access, but they keep running betas on PC. So, um, you can, you can get into it, uh, at different times. Um, I think it's coming fairly soon to at least to early access. Uh, so yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And I think that I, I just, I, the, the other thing I like is just, I really love that Nintendo is continuing to, highlight indie devs um and to highlight indie games on the platform um because that's i think one of the reasons that i love my switch so much is that it's become 
a really great uh, indie handheld console for me. Um, and also the thing that was very funny is that they had like the kind of uh, near the end, they had that little highlight reel and the music was very intense. And then there's a game where you played like a card game with birds. And I forget what it was called, but it was very funny to see like this like intense rock music. Be like, oh, yeah. yeah. And yes. it's like wingspan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it's that. like, we're going bird watching. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because wingspan digital is probably one of my most anticipated games of the year. It, no, it looks pretty good. <laughs> so I just, thought it was funny to see it there. And yes, the music pairing was hilarious. It was just very, That's very fantastic. funny. Yeah. Like, That's pretty inspired. Uh, for those that don't know, Wingspan is like one of the best board games or tabletop games of 2019. Very highly regarded. Um, beautiful. One of the prettiest games probably ever made. Uh, very, very, very nitty gritty uh, programming too. like like that's the style of the game. It is you program a tableau of cards to do stuff. Um, and uh, the digital version looks great, but it is a game about bird watching. Yeah. Um, the theme doesn't mean anything. They just picked bird watching to do some pretty art. Uh, it could have been about construction or building a town or um, I don't know, shooting people, but they chose bird watching because there's not enough games about birds. Yeah. And I think that, I think it was very cool. And I think that the more variety in game types uh, is very cool. Um, like I'm, in, I'm extremely interested to see more footage of uh, moving out, uh, which is where you're moving furniture. But, oh, that uh, thing, right? I just thought Wait, that, the, is uh, that is that the one from the um, Overcooked devs? Uh, I don't know if it's from the devs. It definitely looks a lot like Overcooked. It totally looks like it. Which is why I don't know if I'm going to get it because I don't know if I have enough people to play like that with me. But I'm I'm excited to watch it and maybe buy it with my friends and play it. I'll but, be honest. Yeah that that game. Um, I my deep dark secret is I kind of loathe uh overcooked i do not like playing it and i have been dragged into playing it a lot at parties and stuff and i hate it um (laughs) moving out looked fun to me though that looked like one that i would be much more interested in playing it's like frogger and overcooked yeah meat and i like frogger so where you're trying to move things and move like there's a lot more it looks like there's a lot more mobility than in overcooked where you're just kind of in the same kitchen um over yeah but um, I, I just thought that was very, like, the, all, the games in the, in the highlight reel looked pretty good, but it was also very funny to be like, yeah, moving out, you're moving your stuff. There's also birds, rock music. <laughs> yes. That's pretty funny. Like, mm. It really did not need uh, the that that intense rock music. It kind of did, though. It kind of needed it. <laughs> you need it, but you're glad it was there. Yeah, exactly. But any, but anyways, yeah. I just wanted to bring that up because uh, I I love the I love them indies, and I love that Nintendo continues to support indie content. Yeah, yeah, and do it better than than Sony and Microsoft do. That's for sure. Yeah, fuck Ryan. Fuck Ryan! <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh my god, Ryan's an asshole. He was just such a piece of shit. Yeah. And you're just like, they, 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 at first, like, you're like, oh, is he going to be really that big of a piece of shit? And then you, you learn more about him. You're like, oh, he sucks so bad. Yeah. And then, and then you entrap him. And then he reveals that he was even bigger of a piece of shit than you thought he was. Yeah. Oh, I don't think we were talking about the same Ryan. No. (laughs) We're talking about fucking Ryan. I know. I know. 
in in Murder God on Elmer's Island. The ex husband who's just uh. piece of shit. Honor deserves so much better than Ryan. Yeah, he deserves <laughs> Scout. She deserves yes. Scout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on that note. On that note. All right. Send, I think we all deserve Scout here. Yeah. Oh, I want so, Scout to be my friend. Se- send pictures of your ears to gaming at <laughs> fix.space. Please do. We'll design we'll design some audio for you. I'll design some audio for you. Okay. I will make you a playlist if you send me a playlist. Oh, I'll make you a playlist. <laughs> send me your ears. <laughs> you could also just send me one of your ears, and then I'll make something perfect for the other ear. Yep. Oh, I see. Send it back with the stapler. That's how that works, right? <laughs> exactly. That's how that works. Allison, where can people find you? <laughs> People can find me on Twitter at W-R-I-T-E-R-S-E-R-E-N-Y-T-Y. Alex, where can people find you? Um, looking at Allison's Twitter. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to say looking at Allison's ears for a second. No. I was like, <laughs> please stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to report you to the weirdo police. Oh, don't worry. That's been that's been a long time coming. <laughs> don't worry. I'm on that list already. You can find me at PJC Plays, and you can find uh, us at Fix Podcasts on Twitter. And uh, I'm going to put the call out. Um, please uh, leave us a review of, on your platform yeah. podcast platform of choice if it's available. And also leave us a review through Apple Podcasts, even if that's not your podcast platform of choice, because those are really helpful. So just go do that somewhere. Um, on your friend's phone or use your web browser or um, I don't know. Find a way to review us on Apple Podcasts. In Steal an iPhone. That like, you listen. Do an elaborate iPhone heist. And yeah, then, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Order an iPhone. Yep. Borrow a family member. Review iPad. us and then return it. Oh. Yeah. Something like that. Just whatever you do. Subscribe uh, your dad to our podcast. Do that. Yeah, that sounds good. Get your dad to write a review. Only if uh, it's five stars, though. And my parents subscribe <laughs> um, to me to, to this podcast. I don't know. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know that they once uh, listened to it and I was like, what are you doing? Because they do not <laughs> Otherwise, play podcasts, play games. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, enjoy uh, your week. And I hope that uh, if the um, the pandemic is affecting everyone, but obviously our thoughts go out to people that it is affecting yep. uh, harshly economically and from a health perspective. And we wish you the very best. And if you are in a position to do so look at mutual aid programs in your area, there's a lot of them that are run by um, people on the ground and they're far more effective than, uh, than, than trying to get your governments to do stuff. Yeah. So, local food yeah. banks are, are great and uh, they can stretch your dollar extremely far. Yep. Um, yes. Much further than donating food. Support children's charities, uh, support homeless charities, and if you can, support your local SPCA. Yes. I think that's all for us for this week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Be well.